0: The story of Bert's floppy arm. <laughs> oh, that is the story.
1: Woo! 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 I need to cool down after that. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Welcome. Welcome all. Boys, girls, and all else betwixt to Big Damn Cast. Yes. I am Christopher. I can't feel my knees anymore, Johnson.
1: <laughs> and I'm Matthew. I've got a skewer, and that's why. Watson. Dirty that. Yes. Um,
0: we got some stuff to talk about we this week in talk our, talk our podcast, week. our pop culture podcast of Nonsense and Waffles.
1: It's going to be a packed, packed week. A lot happened. A lot happened. And the first thing we have to talk about is, sadly, like the it. passing yeah. of a legend, an absolute titan of pop culture. Uh, the, the, God- the godfather before... of modern mythology. Yeah. That twelfth uh, of November, uh, twenty eighteen, Stanley yeah. passed away at the grand old age of ninety five years old. In the words of uh, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, that's a big bucket of wind. That is a big old bucket of wind, and we're talking about a man who had one of the most creatively fruitful careers. But not until he was like in his 40s. he didn't create Spider Man until he was thirty nine.
0: Yeah, and, and even then I don't think he got him published through his in his forties. No. Spidey was the one he battled for a few years to try and get in. And then he one day got past Martin Goodman yeah. on, on his wife Joan's advice, on his late wife Joanie's advice of Well, you wanna do it. Like you've got this adult fantasy book that's being cancelled, just put it in there. Just do um, it. And he did. And I, it was like the best character ever.
1: I can't I cannot <laughs> I cannot say that I am not saddened because I am I I kind of steeled myself for this since uh, Joan Lee died. Yeah, which because is it's, uh, it's a couple
0: of years. It last year, year earlier last year, or all year before. Or before. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite. It's a, lot, yeah. it's
1: a fairly common thing for if a couple that have been married that long, when one of them dies, the other follows within a couple of years, if not yeah. sooner. So especially and, in the age as well. Like... And he's been, he's not been in great health this last year or so, and he's ninety. He was ninety five for fuck's sake. Mm. Like the guy was
0: I mean this last year alone he's been battling he's been battling probably more than he ever has done in, the, in yeah, his life and, and, his and, and, the, guy, and was... the guy and the guy served in World War 2 yeah I would argue that he faced possibly greater personal challenges this last year or so than he ever had before with stuff right. that I imagine will probably become a bit more clear and yeah in the coming months, finally, but we talked previously about the scandals involving uh, so elder abuse with elder his abuse. daughter. Yeah, well, it's uh, all it's all alleged because it's yeah. up in the air based on his statements now. But it's it, it's people he worked with, um, rights retention, um, sort of uh, the ownership of his image and stuff being stolen and yeah. and misused. The fact that his daughter may have been involved, the fact that he, one of his attorneys may have been involved, the fact that a convention person who he And a collector who he worked with was definitely involved in some way. That's the K.M. Morgan angle. Some dodgy shit's been happening since his wife passed away and he's been fighting. But as recently as about two, three months ago, he got back control of his social media. Mm -hmm. At least through people he was happy to post with. And whoever's been posting for him, some of it's links to his website, which is a bit... uh, Because his website is, again, just a comic book news site that's run by other people. But some of it was videos from Stan responding to tweets. So they'd, they'd sit down and film with him. And you got the sense that he was, regardless of whatever was happening there, he was very happy to communicate with his audience again directly. Yeah, um, I think so. He had been participating in some Marvel events this year. I think the last big premiere he went to was... Uh, I think he was at Ant-Man and the Wasp. I believe so. He was definitely Infinity War. Because Infinity War was the first premiere where he, he did the the red carpet interviews and everything in his mobility scooter. Yeah. Which he'd been using for the last year or so just to take the weight off while he was walking around the everywhere. Guy,
1: the, the guy did a lot.
0: Yeah. Did an awful lot. Um, So he was, you know, and he's he's been active, active obviously still within the films because he's very much a marquee executive producer. Yeah. But they do get him in or did get him in for advisory stuff and everything well, and want, consultations. You want to stand
1: on your team. Yeah. And, right? and he,
0: he um, you know, he was he just... So he was active, uh, a lot of people pointing out online his last cameos in Teen Titans Go. Yeah. Um to the movies. I think it's actually in Venom, but I'm glad that's sort of being mistakenly yeah. reported. Uh although yeah. still to come. What? Oh god. Oh, really? Is that Twitter moments and I just play videos at the yeah. top, don't they? It's really stupid. But uh, yeah, no, it looks like he's going to be appearing in Into the Spider-Verse. And some people who've seen early screenings of that say that cameo is wonderful and very poignant. <laughs> so it's not just a throwaway like comedy moment. So it's like, oh, that's good. Because his cameo in Spider-Man PS4 was quite poignant as well. Yes. That he pops up in that as a short order cook, just for a line. And for a character that appears for one moment on screen, they put all the work in. To make it look exactly like him, like everything right down to like the freaking freckles, like it's him, and it's really cute. Um, He has; it's been confirmed that he filmed something for Captain Marvel, but no word on if it's going to be used. But I imagine it will be. Yeah. And he definitely filmed something for uh, the next Avengers because that was all shot back to which, yeah, uh, which will be used as well. Um, And Kevin Feige has confirmed since Monday that. They have filmed several other things with Stan for planned use, uh, and they don't expect to not use it because it wouldn't be right to leave him out. Yeah, I think I, in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe tie-in of Stan, you could you could continue his appearances the way that um, Deadpool Two did, and the way that the Netflix show is doing. That oh you yeah, can, you can have just him just be within stuff, artwork yeah. and stuff. Like you can always. be I know, there. I
1: imagine they will because
0: in Deadpool, Deadpool Two, that cameo was great. Yeah. Just fucking giant mural on the wall as dominoes parachute into the street. It's like, oh my god, how
1: did I how did just, I miss that the first time? It's, it's huge. Just, it's just you know they they're gonna always honor the legacy of Stan Lee because yeah. all right, you, there's a little contention about how much credit he actually deserves for some of the early work that was done with these characters, mm. but there's no doubt he had a hand in it. Certainly, and and, and I don't certainly... I don't
0: think he was ever I don't think he was ever intentionally selfish with the credit he just didn't highlight or give as much credence at the time i don't know to it, his it's, peers yeah well, but the only the only reason i feel that's the case is because uh, on monday when we found out like lou and i were planning to watch something or other and i was like do you mind if we watch something else instead and i grabbed off my shelf a dvd i've had since 2002 which is uh it's over there with the kevin smith stuff Oh, yeah. from the same same period as the the first evening with release it's stan lee's mutants monsters and marvels which yeah, was advertised right. on on i think spider-man 2 spider-man dvd in 2002 and a few others yeah it's a two-part documentary uh, by documentary i just mean an interview it's stan sat in a comic book shop in la with kevin smith who at this point is not a stoner uh, and doesn't say much
1: <laughs> Like, so it's really weird. Well, you remember *Room* with Stan Lee, you don't say much, do you? you oh, no, but like, understand. like
0: when you listen to him do Fatman on Batman with him a few years ago, for example, the two of them are giddy as geese. You know I mean, they're just like chatting away with each other. And they, cle- <laughs> they clearly really enjoy each other's company. There's a bit in this, the DVD extras, where they're just, the camera, the, the documentary guys when they go to his home, just stand, go to the side with Joan for a bit and just have a chat with her. Yeah. And she talks, she brings up briefly about Kevin. She says, whenever, like, Stan reads about Kevin in something whenever he sees his name mentioned he's like hey hey that's my that's my friend kevin <laughs> and it's like oh my god that's really heartwarming like he's really excited for him and joan thinks that mole rats is wonderful and very underappreciated and not just because my not just because my husband's cameo and it, it's so good so it's really it's like oh my god these guys really adored him um oh but yeah the, the stanley's mutants monsters and marvels is uh, it's a two-part sit down interview documentary thing the first half of it is entirely about spider-man yeah because it was it was a columbia tristar release ahead of spider-man coming out and they talk a lot about the upcoming spider-man movie which is a weird world to dip dip into um and uh the second half is is about the other characters and 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 his hand in timely becoming marvel and everything yeah and they make a distinction in it he talks about he really bigs up Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and like all these people who worked with it at the time he really bigs them up in the documentary yeah. talking about how amazing they were and at the very end of the spider-man half at the end of the credits there is a caption that comes up that says Stan would like to acknowledge the incredible hard work and hard work and collaborative efforts of the teams that helped him to co-create the various Marvel yeah. icons um and it's like so Someone has gone out of their way there, possibly him, to be like, "Can you please stress that it's not just me?" Yeah, like it's not just me, and and you, especially when he got his Disney Hall of Fame, um, Disney Legends, whatever it's called, award a couple of years ago over oh, yeah. last year because it was after Joni had passed, it was like a few weeks later, and it was like, "Is he going to show up?" And yes, he did, and he said a piece about Joni because he's Stan. Um, he was Stan. He he spent most of his time because it was awarded to him by I think it's Jack Kirby's son. I think so. Was yeah. the one who awarded it to him. And he spends most of his time on stage's acceptance speech talking about Jack. So I, I, I get the sense that if it if it wasn't out of his hands back then, the credit thing, he definitely at least regrets that it wasn't more of an equal playing field. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of the public perception of him being the head honcho is very much down to... Um, what do you call it? It's very much down to uh, Stan Soapbox. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. the fact that he was the, he was the editor and the writer who spoke directly to the readers. like yeah. He was the first one to really do that. To have the letters pages and he responds to all of them. And then there's a monthly address in every comic book that goes out to the readers on a topic.
1: Yeah, the bullpen bulletins in yeah. the 80s and 90s.
0: And the Marvel Merry Marching Society and things like this. like yeah. just started up the proper idea of, of fan clubs and fan interactions. Because that was the only reason. Timely Comics was, you know, it was fine. It was ticking along. It was doing its thing. Yeah, Stan was think? a staff writer with them working on bits and pieces and and, and the only reason it sort of got bigger is because he was like, "I want to try this. I want to try that." I think the the, the start of the Marvel universe because he it's definitely something he had a massive hand in in creating. Well, yeah, him him um, and
1: Jack Kirby created most of that wholesale.
0: But 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 the kickstart, like the 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 fuse on the dynamite, is um, Martin Goodman, the publisher at the time, the editor going that Justice League book's selling really well. Yeah, we don't do superheroes because the comics code stuff and all that shite that went on. Yeah. Um, Essentially wiped out superheroes, and Marvel timely then stopped doing theirs, and other companies stopped doing theirs, and DC did Wonder, carried on doing Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Yeah, and that's when you get the fifties when everything's really stupid, outlandish sci-fi plots that don't make any sense. Buy war bombs. and it's and it's oh my god, my zebra bat suit and shit like that. (laughs) And the Joker goes from being this kind of sinister um, murderer to complete wacky clown he's just like I'm going
1: to paint the town green. He's pulling boners all the time. He's
0: always pulling his boners, nah, you nah, know. If you don't just... like if you don't like his boner, he's going to show you the biggest boner he's ever pulled. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's when that era comes around and, and you've got all the covers of Su- the world's finest where Superman and Batman and Robin are playing baseball and yeah. grinning from ear to ear and suddenly nearly all of Wonder Woman's plots are about a monster mind controlling her to be his wife and things like that. You're just like what <sighs>
1: is this? Like where has the where has the stuff that made this cool gone? Superman, uh, I quote, slapping a jap. Yep, that
0: era. That era. So the comics code kind of really ruins it. It was the, it was the twat behind that, Frederick Wortham. Yeah, because he wrote the book called uh, Seduction of the Innocent. Yeah, that one. And it was like, Robin and Batman are living out a homosexual fantasy and all this stuff, and this you is wrong. What? And it's like... Oh, they Christ are sake. living
1: out a homosexual fantasy. Let them live They're it. They're living out my homosexual <laughs> fantasy. And I want to see it represented I on w- film with the next Batman movie.
0: I want to be the teen ward of a sexy billionaire. I, <laughs> I want to see
1: the story of the super masculine leather daddy and his twink boyfriend who fight crime. John Hamm and Taron Egerton present. <laughs> I'd watch it.
0: <laughs> Daddy and Robin. Daddy and Robin. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Oh God. Um, um, so there's that, but like that, that really sort of set it off. The Comics Code comes in, and suddenly there's strict, re- strict restrictions, and superheroes are pretty much canned and killed off, and it's not happening. And then they start DC starts to introduce some more. They start to get brave. They reintroduce the Flash. They bring the Flash back. And they create characters like Martian Manhunter. And then they do Justice League. And Martin Goodman and Marvel go, we want that money. We want that kind of money. Stan, Stan, you. Stop writing the cowboy in the romance books. There'll be like... an
1: army worthy of Marvel.
0: Yeah, because Stan was writing like the romance novels yeah. and the westerns and stuff. And he, he's always... He always... His one dream, and he st- I believe he still feels he never did it, but it wasn't like a regret. His one dream was to write the great American novel.
1: Yeah, whatever that means.
0: Because uh, well, he was... He, he was Mark Twain was his biggest be, inspiration yeah, he wanted to be a novelist um, and, and I would say that he's, he did much more than he that he ended up creating an entire um,
1: mythology a modern mythology for the Americas
0: so he, he goes right well do you want me to do that and he's like yeah do a team of superheroes that's what sells because this is what the editors were like at this point they went that yeah. on the nose do a team of superheroes that's what's going to sell Stan's like well, we don't have any and you won't let me bring back the old ones to play with yeah And he's like, just do a team of superheroes. So Stan did what he thought would be more interesting. He did a family of superheroes. Yes. And he does the Fantastic Four. And Martin says he doesn't like some of the ideas. And Stan threatens to leave. And for the first time in a long list of incidents where this is how it went, Joan Lee went, well, just do it how you want to do it anyway. And if he fires you, it doesn't matter. You wanted to leave. So he did. And Fantastic Four issue one goes out. And within three months, they are flooded with fan mail. Which yeah, they'd, ne- which they'd never had before. Like, yep. fan mail to this company. So, Stan, what else you got? Mm, Alright, freaking spend the next three years working with Jack and Steve, and let's bash out Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Iron the Man, Spider-Man. the Mighty Thor, the Amazing Spider-Man, the Uncanny X-Men. And then, to top that shit all off, he finally brings back characters from Marvel's past. He's like, you know that Captain America that was really successful in yep. World War Two. Let's tell stories about him. Yeah, well, he's war propaganda. All right, well, let's tell the stories about a freaking, a war mascot out of time. Let's let's pretend he's been frozen since the war. Let's
1: uh, get some of our... Hey, Cap,
0: you've been frozen for just under 20 years.
1: Like, let's see what happens let's when we throw you out. Let's just Get some of our characters who have their own books or stories in some of our anthology books and put them into yeah. one team. You're like that Ant-Man guy in tells to Astonish. Well, he's on the team now. Yeah. Like, here's... we're going to do it. Screw it. Screw we got it. Hulk. We got Ant Man, we got the Wasp, we got Thor, we got Iron Man. Who are they going to fight? One of our heroes is
0: a literal god, and most of his enemies are also gods. I think one of his bad guys will be fine as a first villain for the team to have to get together to face. Loki will be fine. Oh, not only that, he's going to control the Hulk. So I think that's more than enough reason for this team to forge.
1: And also the Team Brigadier here. (laughs) Yes. Rick Jones, Eternal Sidekick. Oh, God.
0: Dress as Bucky. Um, I, that's what I, really, I like. Oh, I know really, another game. <laughs> another fantasy. game fantasy. I really, another I really, really uh, like this Fantastic Four book. Stan, what you want to do next? I'm bringing back Namor. What? Yes. That happens really
1: early on in Fantastic it's Four. It's like issue
0: four? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's, he's in there. But again, that's Stan going, we have an amazing character here. Like, I've already repurposed the human torch. And then later on, we're going to acknowledge that that human torch definitely existed as well. Oh, yeah. And Johnny has named himself after him and it's like oh my god like he he went back and he used the stuff that already was there for timely oh yeah and used it to expand the universe they were creating <laughs> amazing then then he becomes editor in chief and you get the Marvel method where oh, yeah. Stan was working on so many books that he basically just went right here's my ideas my art to my artist here's my ideas what ideas have you got great right we're doing that one right we'll do this one we'll do that one just do it it's roughly this here's ten bullet points it's that. Give it to me later Here's and I'll fill plot. in the dialogue. You draw
1: it. I'll put the words in.
0: And based on the relationship with the artist, it was either a case of the artist would then go, okay, map it out and then Stan would flesh that story out completely. Mm-hmm. Or in the case of like Kirby, Kirby would pretty much just write the story and then Stan would like physically write it and, yeah. and do the dialogue and, and stuff. And some criticised that and stuff, but like he he later on, later on went to say that it was, it was economical. Yeah. Because it meant that he didn't have like Jack for example Jack was doing so many books at one point it
1: was like 11 books or more. Mm, yeah it was ridiculous like
0: then the Marvel method kicks in proper and Jack's only doing like sort of four or five yeah because Stan was giving work to more artists yeah. to do it this way it meant more people could be working for for the company yeah and then he could just he could be like right go do your thing and then I will fill it in I'll fill it in and I'll do that and it's sort of like I think it depends on your opinion I think it's both lazy and inspired yeah because it worked. I mean, look at the amount of books they, they were then churning out, oh, and yeah. the amount of people in their employ. It's just like, well done, guys. Well done. And then it goes on from there. Um, Stan's later efforts, like, weren't they? Definitely weren't small or anything. But stuff like um, Stanley's first media companies and then like Power Entertainment and everything, they didn't necessarily break the mold or shatter the shatter the pop culture world. No, but it was a man. Well past the age he needed to do this stuff. Oh yeah, still making things
1: it's all, it's all and still employing
0: do. people. The best thing Pow ever did, weirdly, was Stan's rants. Yeah, when when he worked with them in their offices in the two thousands, and once a week they just post a video of Stan <laughs> chatting on about summer. It was great. It was like this is fun. It was Stan's soapbox, but with a sort of mock angry kind yeah. of kind of facade. Um, but since it's passing this week, a lot of people have been digging up. Um, scans of Stan's Soapbox articles. Oh yeah,
1: they're great.
0: They're brilliant. And it, it shows It shows a very strict um, stance against, specifically, uh, racism, yeah. uh, bigotry, and uh, intolerance toward your fellow man without reason. And one of them he says, like, sure, you can be bugged by someone, but to hate an entire race... Or an entire agenda. Because you just do. Is to hate people you've never met. Is to hate people who could be your brother. Your sister. Your friend. Like It's a stupid thing to do. Why would you do it? And it needs to be. He basically says the best way to combat evils in this world. Is to shine a light on them. Yeah. And it's like. Oh yeah. Okay. Like highlight what's wrong. Just show them for what they are. And, and those who like have. You know, sort of goodness in them will see the error of their ways, or at least see what they're doing to other people and rethink what they're doing. And others won't, but that's fine because you'll know who's who, and you'll be able to, like, you know, I'm not going to waste my time arguing with this person; they're never going to change. So I'm going to spend more time with the people who who I love and who love me back. And... I've
1: just I've just been sent a little anecdote here. Um, my girlfriend just messaged this screen cap to me. A little Stanley anecdote for you. Oh shit, gone. And I think then then we should move on, but. But this is a nice little anecdote to finish out, Stanley. Because this is going to come up in emails. I'm going to talk about Stanley more in emails oh, yeah. as well. Um, this is someone who shared a post on Facebook. And this post is saying, I was 12, I was naive. I mailed three quarters to Marvel Comics with a request for three annuals. The local drugstore didn't carry 25 cent annuals, only 12 cent regular comic books. Marvel returned my quarters and said I should send a check on money order after July. I was crushed and wrote Stan Lee that I was afraid Marvel would run out of annuals if I waited to order after July. And Stan Lee came through. The 1964 Marvel annuals, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and Marvel Tales were mine. And attached is the letter that Stan sent back. July 2nd, 1964. It says, and it's on Marvel Comics Group uh, headed paper yeah, with the, the Fantastic Four down on one side. Oh God, yeah, that's really side, cool. And it's typed up, Says, Dear Mark, Someone around here is going to be fed to the manta rays for what you, our true fan, have been forced to endure. (laughs) My grandfather used to tell me stories of how subscription departments could tangle themselves up, but I never really believed them until now. If a fan is interested enough in our comics to get to sending his money, he's entitled to get them. Not in a month, not after July 30th, (laughs) pronto. Any reader who has taken as much bureaucratic tomfoolery as you have and remained calm and polite about it deserves some kind of a reward. So we're sending you, free of charge, the three annuals you originally requested. We hope you enjoy them, and we pledge this idiocy will not continue. (laughs) Sincerely, (laughs) Stan Lee, editor. Oh my god, that's wonderful. Stan, the man, Lee.
0: Freaking smiling Stan. (laughs) (gasps) Captain Excelsior, in in an upcoming episode, you're going to hear us butcher his catchphrases. Uh, Last week we pre-recorded a future episode. Um and jokingly in it we talk about Stanley's catchphrase based on yeah. a quiz question. Spoiler alert from an upcoming Big Damn Cast. Yes, but uh, we we take the mick and we come up with fake catchphrases and stuff. Uh, and we had a laugh doing that. Yes, but I think it would only feel right, of course, this week to not break the time space continuum by quoting our future selves. No, no, but that's but, in an upcoming episode. But be, yeah, so just be aware of that.
1: But I think it's um, worth
0: saying that the guy the guy introduced Nuff said. Enough said. Make mine Marvel. Make mine Marvel. Um, Amongst many, many others, but most importantly, Excelsior.
1: Excelsior. Ever onwards and upwards.
0: Oh, man.
1: Oh, dude. Let's talk about... Oh, I could talk about Stanley all day. I know, though, we I know. Um, we've got other things to talk about.
0: F- um, favorite cameo?
1: Because um... <laughs> a lot... Of, that's
0: the thing. There'll be a whole generation of people who just know him oh, as the king of cameos. There'll be a generation yeah. of people who know him as that guy who pops up in films. You know, it's it's... Tony Stank. Is there a package for Mister Tony Stank? Stank. Yes. <laughs> pretty yes, damn great. This is Tony Stank? That's pretty damn I do. I do like his Ant Man and the Wasp one. The um, <laughs> well, the sixties were a lot of fun, but now I'm paying for it.
1: <laughs> 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 yes.
0: Although him challenging Thor, like saying that he, oh, won't, be yeah. hand, he won't be able to handle. Um, as Guardian Ale. Yeah. And he's like and <laughs> I, just... he's like I did whatever War two, like, you think I think I handle this. And then he's just absolutely destroyed. He's been carried out and he just goes Enchelsior Chelsea!" <laughs> he's just like, Oh, this is great <laughs> That one's pretty fun. Oh. Amazing Spider-Man will take a beating as well. That's quite a good oh, one. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's the
1: best bit of that entire series of films.
0: It's <laughs> just like a librarian, headphones on, yep. listening to classical music, sorting books in the foreground while the Spider-Man and the Lizard beat the shit out of each other in the very background. Good. Very, very good. <laughs> pretty fun.
1: Oh, we'll miss you, Stan. We will miss you, Stan.
0: Oh, bloody hell. Uh, have everyone raise a raise a glass of Asgardian ale.
1: Yes. In tribute. Yes. Let's <laughs> click. Hey. Ooh. Um... So, mm, this, some, this whiskey is delicious. Some good <laughs> it tastes like water. Mm. <laughs> some good news happened uh, this week. We got the first trailer for Toy Story Four. We
0: did well. We got, yeah, we got uh, two teaser trailers back two to back. Teasers. I've um, not seen
1: the second one. The,
0: the, s- s- the second on. one is uh, it's very brief. It's just, it's just two. I'm going to pull up the characters' names now. But it's just two characters interacting on a stall um, at a carnival. They're two two plushies called, Where Are You My Little Fellas? called Ducky and Bunny what? voiced by um Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele respectively. Sure, of course. And they're great and the teaser yeah. trailer includes the phrase uh <laughs> The teaser trailer includes the phrase "to infinity and your mom," and it isn't offensive. It's really funny and charming. Good, good. But the day before that, on Monday, we did indeed get the teaser. The teaser trailer for Toy Story Four and the official synopsis. Yes, for Toy Story Four and the release date. And we knew it was next year, but now yes. we know it is
1: slap bang in the middle of summer next year. So it's going to make all what, the money. What happened in the teaser trailer, man? Uh, Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now is, is playing as the toys, hand-in-hand, hand, careen in slow motion and joy and dancing. And then all of a sudden, a makeshift spoon man, spork man, <laughs> appears and starts to panic because he's not a toy! Well, of
0: course he's not a toy. He's I don't a spork man. here. He's a Sporkman. Captain Sporkman. Yeah, that, this is new character Forky, voiced by uh, Parks and Rec's Tony Hale, <laughs> and um, <laughs> who's absolutely wonderful. I, I, I absolutely fell in love with him in Lemony Snicket last year mm. as, uh, as uh, Mr. Squalor. He was really good. But um, it turns out the plot of Toy Story 4... Because
1: originally it was announced that it was going to be about Bo Peep.
0: Yeah, trying to find Bo Peep. Yeah. Um, which is a wonderfully, like, poignant and sad moment in Toy Story 3.
1: I mean, she's not that, yeah.
0: Yeah, because you realize, you suddenly remember, oh yeah, Bo Peep was a was like a, a sort of a lamp ornament owned by Andy's sister. So if Andy's sister gets rid of that ornament...
1: No, well, it was owned by Andy originally.
0: Was it his, like, originally? Yeah. Well, no, I know he played with her, he used her in the thing, but she, yeah. she was always, she was from Thingy's room. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, so it's like, oh... Okay, yeah, of course. If the sister gets rid of it then. Mm. Oh, alright. And so mm. there's that very brief moment in the start of Toy Story 3 where you suddenly realize, oh yeah, Bo Peep's not there and you see that Woody's really upset about it and you're like, Oh god So when we heard that I was like, Oh cool, yeah that'd be a, that'd be a pretty nice plot.
1: Well Annie Potts is billed as Bo Peep. Oh the is Bo Peep so She must
0: be in there so that maybe that plot is in there then. Maybe that's the subplot. Maybe. I didn't realize it was I didn't realize it was Annie Potts, but now you've said it. Of course, yeah. it's Annie Potts. Um, oh my god! Of
1: course it is. And of course, you got John C- Cusack, Tim Allen returning. Uh, Jordan Peele uh, is a new addition. As yeah. of course, it... well, Kristen Charles returning as Trixie. Yay! So it's set post Toy Story Three. Yeah, not as we were originally had to believe in an in interquel. Yeah, it's
0: definitely it's definitely, it's definitely four, four, and it's definitely about Bonnie, um, uh, the the new owner of the toys from Toy Story Three uh it, it the director said that the original toy story movies are very much they very much have a big drive on purpose yeah and how like if you have a duty you should do it because it's 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 beneficial and it's selfless and it's you know it, it it's very like you know toys are toys and toys a toy's job is to be with their kid and make their kid happy um what happens if you're not a toy what happens yeah. if you've been dragged into it What happens if suddenly a piece of cutlery, say a spork, is made into a toy via arts and crafts? Yes. And then is suddenly part of the toys that the kid is playing with. What if that piece of cutlery knows that it's not meant to be doing this and is torn between its original purpose (laughs) and its new purpose? I really Mm. hope they don't go too in-depth into, hang on, what's the logic behind this? I really hope they don't yeah. go that far because yeah. that would ruin it slightly. The magic of Toy Story is the idea that, especially when you're a kid, and I don't know about you, you because you would have been 95, you'd have been seven. Yes. When the first one came out, so you would have, yes. you might probably not have felt the same way. I, I saw a I in the first one. I was I was four, so when I saw it, as far as I was concerned, when I left the room, those toys were alive. Oh yeah, those toys yeah, were yeah. hanging out with each other and talking and going on adventures. Um, yes. I really don't want them to spoil the basic magic of that by going into an explanation. That being said, fucking kudos to them for mm-hmm. going this weird and existential with it. Um I love that. It's so odd. It's so odd. Yeah. So I was reluctant about this because I was like Toy Story 3 is the perfect closer. Well, this isn't a this isn't continuing that story really.
1: Only in so much as that it is continuing, yeah, the oh, no, story no, but... of Woody and Buzz and hmm. Jesse and
0: but but it sort of it sort of feels like now separated from Andy, yeah, those three belong to to their own little thing. And now we can just carry on. If we want to carry on, we can carry on with other stuff. we've had the
1: shorts as well. The shorts
0: have been wonderful. Um, seen the seen the, uh, the Rexes one. I've there not seen in, any of them. There's one in the bathtub where all the bath toys, toys are having a party and it's just mental. Um, there's a literal bit where like the squid thing or whatever just bobs down and just goes, what up, Fisher? Yeah. <laughs> and just like just setting off bubble poppers. And it's like, it's mental. It's really, really fun. Um, um But yeah, it, it's, I mean...
1: Is, Ma- is Michael
0: Keaton back as Ken? Because that'd be nice.
1: <laughs> Toy Story Four. He's not on IMDb, but. Yeah. Jodie Benson is in his return as Barbie, though. Of
0: course, Jodie Benson. Um...
1: Oh. I to IMDb. When
0: are they going to so. crack and make a little
1: mermaid reference? That's what I want to know. Mm, hmm. Quite. Uh, probably soon, because Disney are getting ever so meta. Yeah, uh, yes. So oh, we've got Toy Story know. Four. We've also got. Now this next this next trailer for this next film, uh, this. I have so many feelings (laughs) about this because I every time I watch it, and I do keep watching it because I have to... I've done it, like, I've watched it, like, eight times. I have to keep... for for several reasons. First of all, to confirm to myself that this is actually a real thing that somebody has made. And secondly of all, to just see all the stuff that's in there. Oh, God, there is so much going on. There is so much going on. And... It's like Blade Runner.
0: Yeah. I mean, in terms of the shot composition, yeah. people are now like, are you serious? To compare it to Blade Runner, well, we've not seen it yet. at the time, Pokemon. but like, it's 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 that whole thing of Oh, look, it's just a street market. Pause. Look at that frame. Look at the amount of things in that frame. Pokemon has gone live action. Oh my god, Detective Pikachu. With Detective Pikachu. So mm. when we first spoke about this, like mm. a year ago, mm. when they confirmed that it was happening, we were yeah. like,
1: really? It was like you're doing it- a Pokemon movie. And this is your first. It's, one? A three, it's a 3DS game. It's like a 3DS, well, like adventure style game, um, as opposed to a traditional Pokemon game, where you you play as a guy who has a detective Pikachu sidekick, a Pikachu who can talk and is a, is a detective. Yeah. Because of course. And then they told, and then they announced <laughs> that it was going to become a movie, and of course everyone wanted Danny DeVito to voice the Pikachu because of the contrast. And everyone was disappointed when they uh, announced Ryan Reynolds. But hey, yeah, it's not not too long ago they announced yeah. that
0: like. Four or five months ago, but of course, the way these things work, he'll have recorded the book yeah. of his stuff
1: like a year ago, yeah. or or even longer. But yeah, Ryan Reynolds is always going to do a good job. It's just not going to be as funny as Danny DeVito, yeah. just from a visual standpoint. But hey, whatever. And then this trailer dropped on Monday, and I I just couldn't get my head around it because I thought there was no tease.
0: It just it just it arrived. Just, yeah, like it just arrived,
1: and boy did it arrive. This is it's just like. <laughs> Just watch I'm just looking at this trailer going that's a that's a charmander. There's a Dodrio walking around the city and it's fine. Look look at the angry jigglypuff. Look at that furry angry jigglypuff. Look at um, how
0: off his tits Psyduck looks.
1: Oh Psyduck's so high Um This <laughs> is so high Yeah this is the first time that Nintendo have licensed out one of their properties to live action since Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, because this is a uh, the really Warner- terrible. This is
0: Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures. Legendary Pictures. Legendary Pictures and I, don't think I don't think it's Warner Brothers. I think it's just Warner, Warner Brothers Distributing. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Legendary Pictures and the Pokemon Company. Yes, working together.
1: And it looks like it's just going to be a straight up adaptation of the of the game, like yeah, down to the character names and stuff.
0: Yeah, and the plot.
1: Um. So
0: like kid, who, kid who's like older teen son of a detective yes a lot of pressure to be like his dad one day something
1: happens to his dad his dad disappears after a car crash yeah and, and then this talking Pikachu turns up and he's like I'm gonna help you look for your dad I
0: don't know if it's this way in the game but it definitely looks like in this one the plot is that he and the Pikachu can talk to it's not talking yeah. Pikachu so much as he can only understand only he can it. hear the Pikachu
1: which is um, going to be a great joke, I think. Well, we've got one of them in the trailer with the... You can hear him, right? And it's just Pika a pika, pika. And it's like, aw, oh,
0: it's so cute, Pika
1: Pika. You're oh, adorable. You can not understand me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really, the Ryan Reynolds voice really works with like... And, it's, and again, it's a juxtaposition of this super cute Pikachu design with the little hat and everything. <gasps> the little deer and stalker. Then, but also, it's just Ryan Reynolds voice coming out of it. Yes. <laughs> It's got these yes. gorgeous, you know, brown animal eyes, and then it's. Yes! And. and fuzzy. And it
0: just looks really cool! The smartest decision they well, they've made pretty many smart decisions here. It's, weapon, up, it's, bro, it's, it's tri- weaponized nostalgia. Well, we'll that already how, is a smart decision from a business standpoint. We'll see
1: how the film turns out, but. Yeah. from first impressions just look like leaning into the cartoonish designs, but just, you know, giving them slightly more realistic textures. That, and that's stuff. it. That they look, like, they look
0: like the anime versions of the characters. Yeah. They look like how the designs have been since the anime stadium going yeah. forwards, which is a smart call because... There's there's a wonderful artist I can't remember his name I follow him on Instagram. Uh, but there's there's a wonderful artist. Too. It, yeah, yeah, they, 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 realistic
1: this, po- realistic looking Pokemon. This guy does like, and they just all look terrifying.
0: Yeah, I mean they look they look amazing. Don't get me wrong, yeah. like they, they look really really good. Um, but you need them to look fluffy and cute and approachable. That's the thing, and I think it's to do with the tone. Yeah, I think that's a conscious decision uh, to coincide with the tone of the film. Well, it
1: probably won't surprise you to learn that Nicole Perlman. <laughs> who was the original screenwriter for Guardians of the Galaxy and has also done a pass on Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, She's one of the screenwriters for this.
0: Okay, so it's already coming from that. We're going to do this tongue very firmly in cheek
1: standpoint. And the tongue is so firmly in the cheek that it's actually poking out the other side and wiggling a little. Oh,
0: like, like a like licker a look tongue. Or a um <laughs> like a like Greninja. A or a, or a Licky Licky. Are, are they Greninjas? Greninjas, yeah. Greninjas. See,
1: there's a trio of Greninjas in this. Yeah, who look, they look like
0: minions of something. Yes. Because there's that bit where they look stalking down a corridor
1: and it's they like look, a of they attacking, uh, jumping to attack with their water shuriken. Um... <laughs> You got Charizard being all Charizard,
0: oh, Charizard in what looks like an underground battle arena. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Um,
1: a, little, a little pack of Bulbasaur's waddling through a pool. Yep, yeah, looking at going after the uh, I think they're called Morlils, the the little, little, the little glowing mushroom dudes. I think they're from that opening shot with Bill Nye voiceover. Yeah,
0: and on my first viewing, I think I think it was I think it's the same for you, but like on the very first viewing, you spot the Dodrio.
1: Yeah,
0: and then the Charmander runs in. the... Bottom yeah. left corner of the screen, you're like,
1: "That's oh, a Charmander." And there's a Squirtle walking yeah. around. There's there's a Venusaur in the market scene. Yeah, what well, well, the little spider things on the uh, counter? The, the on jolt- the counter that are just crawling around. Like, the, uh, you, are
0: they dumplings? No, nope, we, we nope, slowed down. Was like
1: they're moving. They're, jo- they're Jolteks. They're little um, spiders. They're
0: cute little spiders. Little yellow spiders.
1: And then you've got the 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 Emolgas hanging out on the roof of the market. Um, you've got. The uh, posters, the wanted the missing posters for the Squirtle and the Pancham, which looks like they find them in the underground arena later. Yeah, because we
0: spotted the Pancham um, at the bottom of
1: frame. And
0: oh my god, yeah. Ken Watanabe's in Ken this. in this. There's some pedigree in this you movie. Think he's say
1: let them fight.
0: I wonder if he's <laughs> in. An, I wonder if he's in an exclusive deal with Legendary at this point. It's just like I don't want to do the Godzilla sequel. Okay, fine. Want to come do this Pokemon, do you do movie? The Pokemon movie instead? <laughs> All right, why not? Um, you can play a detective. You could okay. say let them fight at some point. Please say let them fight.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, it just—I mean, the the adult in me is interested in like the logistics of how Pokemon exist in a world that looks very like our own, and the child in me is just interested to see Pokemon on the big screen in something that isn't a cartoon.
0: Because this has been a Pokemon live-action movie has been on the cards very seriously, years and years, years and years, but like very seriously for about six years. Yeah, I mean, because there was a screenplay by somebody and then it was rewritten by Max Landis which was denied for a very long time that was the whole hashtag Landis Pokemon thing that was going on for ages
1: apparently it was it was in 2016 that it was first reported that um, in April 2016 it was first reported that the live action movie rights had been uh, bid upon through a top secret auction from the Pokemon company yeah the three frontrunners being Legendary Sony and Warner Brothers and then Legendary won out which I'm quite glad out, mm-hmm. but Warner
0: Brothers are distributing.
1: Uh, I don't know if they are. You know, it's,
0: uh, the trailer's up from uh, Warner Brothers Pictures.
1: Oh right, right, okay.
0: So they must, they must have like, oh yeah, they they must have approached them afterwards and gone, hey, want us to uh, distribute and do the marketing?
1: <laughs> it did Skull Island. It did a Skull Island, and then it moved for a distributors from Universal to Warner.
0: <laughs> wow! Oh god, Universal lost out.
1: Yeah.
0: This, I wonder if that was to coincide with regardless... their, their upcoming um, Nintendo Land. Oh, maybe. Yeah.
1: But regardless of whether this is good or not, and I'm hoping it's, and I'm hoping it's fun.
0: God, I want it to be great. I want go to, want ha- to have it. an absolute ball. I'm going to go see it. It's weaponized nostalgia. Um, there is a Psyduck being carried around in a in a freaking papoose like backpack. A with a trainer who you pointed out when we watched the trailer
1: just before. She just, she's, she's just... full blown Pokemon trainer like yeah. costume. She looks, she looks like a Pokemon go, She looks like the Pokemon Go trainer model. She does. Oh the, my god! Zip- now you've mentioned it, like and the, the, the and the zip-up little cap, shell jacket, and the leggings, and the little and the
0: cap, cap and the big yeah. boots. Yeah. Also, she
1: has a car. She has a
0: really dinky little car. Little dinky little it's car, all squished. Um, and and oh my Question. god, yes.
1: Do people eat meat in this world? And if they eat meat, are those meat Pokemon? Probably not. Probably not. Then where does the meat come from, Chris? Well,
0: to be fair, they we don't see any evidence of it in the trailer. But to be fair, they do like put them in balls and make
1: them fight. True. So also. That Mr. Mime gag at the end.
0: <gasps> right. So smart. Did you get the same vibe I did? The moment it cuts to the overhead shot and you can just see the little arc of it in the front of the... You had to sort of still yourself and prepare because mm. you were like, mm. that's Mr. Mime. Are mm. we going to see Mr. Mime? Mm. Are we going to fucking see yeah, we're gonna Mr. See Mr. Mime. Mime? And Mr. Mr. Mime. Mime miming.
1: No, Mr. No mine bullshit. Just yep. straight up by me.
0: And the fact that he resets his expression when, when he's listening. <laughs> when he's listening, he's just like... Mm. He's just... <laughs> it's like, <a> big smile. <laughs> oh, God. He says, shove it.
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you give the thumbs up. It's like, yeah, that's right.
0: Put down this put down this stapler or I will electrocute you. <laughs> Oh, you can hear me. I've been so lonely. <laughs> brilliant.
1: Absolutely brilliant. So
0: you think it's going to be like the plot of that, that Pikachu was, uh, the, was in, his dad's... In the game, um, yeah, the Pikachu's
1: his dad's partner. And then in the, he's in the car crash with him and he has amnesia. So he's lost his memory. Yeah. And he can't use moves anymore. But he also, part of the, in losing his memory, he also doesn't know what happened after the car crash. And what's happened to... Him.
0: Like the, his, his, his partner, partner slash yeah. the main
1: character's dad, um, so that's that's why he's getting in on the case. But... And then
0: there's it's also tied into these Pokemon that are going missing as well. Yeah, like...
1: yeah, yeah. So I can't wait. Yeah, I, 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 I did not expect to be excited about a Pokemon movie of any stripe ever. I think it's a smart call that
0: but... the, the 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 script that was doing the rounds for ages was about was a sports movie. Yeah, and it was about a kid and his like team of three,
1: and that sounds like a smart way to
0: do it. And That's a smart way to do it. It, it. it was the whole sports success story. Yeah, and it's like yeah, that makes sense. And you got, uh, and it was, apparently the focus was very much on his relationship with those three Pokemon, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about the catching and stuff. It was, it was about, it was about the tournaments and them working together as a team for for these things. And it was like, okay, there's something in that. I think this was a much smarter call. Yeah, I think this was a much smarter call. This is. To go the comedy route, to yes. to make sure that, and again, just for your first movie, if you want to grab the pop the the public consciousness and and grab them all, I mean, you gotta catch them all. You, have you go, catch them all. hey, do you remember that little yellow mouse thing that was on all the lunch boxes yeah, well, twenty years Reynolds,
1: ago? No. Well, here it is, and it's voiced by Deadpool. Enjoy. Do you think we're gonna get a similar reaction when the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer finally drops? You know that live action See, Sonic the Hedgehog movie that they're making with Ben Schwartz as Sonic and Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik.
0: See, I'm now more <laughs> open to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Because of this, as weird as that sounds, this has made me go, okay, all right. Like you've you've surprised me. I'm intrigued. Um, this feels like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I'm getting that because, vibe because of it. that cartoon. Because Big they time. kept the cartoon look. And I think that's fine. I think it, you you yeah. make it so that you can be a bit gritty and a bit scary with it. You know, mystery car crash, like someone's been kidnapping Pokemon. Yeah, it's like you can play the dark, the dark stuff, but then you keep those light, fluffy visuals so that it's that weird juxtaposition. It's it sort of it can be for the adults who grew up with this stuff when they were kids, and the kids who are now really getting into Pokemon yeah. now.
1: It starts light and fluffy, and then gets really pissed off, like the Jigglypuff in the Espresso Bar. <laughs> God, that shot is amazing. <laughs> oh God, that's
0: so good. See, Twitter went nuts for that, and they were like, "Why is it so furry?" It's like, what did you, what texture did you imagine a jiggly jigglypuff was going to be? Smooth and balloon-like.
1: Yeah, but what's that? It doesn't look good. Like it wouldn't look good. In it would look good.
0: like Mister Mind, for example. That's a, a fleshy skin tone. Yeah, and his shoulder pads aren't smooth. They're sort, they're sort of ridged, like they're, they're like, little,
1: like basketballs. Yeah, like
0: they're yeah. A, little, a, little, a little, sort of like a little sports outfit or something yeah. on, on the shoulders. Textured and it's that's a clever that's a smart decision yeah like it's oh man i just i want it
1: i want it so i want bad. it
0: so bad and i want it now
1: well but i will wait till next year we're going to talk about a couple more movies uh ones you have actually seen yeah uh, briefly we want to touch on uh, one that i saw a couple of weeks ago yeah that one and that you finally saw this week let's talk a little bit about halloween uh, let's do some spoiler talk on Halloween. So if you've got, if you've listened to my thoughts on Halloween in a previous episode, so if you haven't seen it, we're going to do some s- quick spoiler talk before we get into uh, another movie that we saw. Uh, so look for the time codes in the description and let's do some Halloween spoilers. Christopher, what did you think of Halloween? Let's
0: really well do it. Uh, so Halloween was a bit of an odd one for me to go into because I hadn't watched the original in a million bloody years. So re-watching it a few weeks ago with your yeah. good self uh, and uh, our lovely lady... his bad self. Was, uh, ...was was a really nice refresher. Um, a refresher. And then... <laughs> and then I didn't get to see the 2018 direct follow-up immediately. Uh, you I saw it. I haven't seen
1: any of the sequels, by the way, apart from Halloween 3, which has not Se- to
0: Season do... of the witch, Yeah. Uh, which has nothing to do with it. And is also out of canon because Halloween's playing on the TV in yes. one scene, so... Yes. um but yeah it's 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 i was a little i was a little sort of Ooh, because it came out and the reception was the the pre-release reception so like the, the like the tagline reviews yeah were really positive i mean of course they are because it's part of the advertising but oh yeah they, they were really put they were like jamie lee curtis gives a fucking great performance there was that famous one which she said that once she read that quote from the preview screen and she was like yeah we've got we've done it which was you will freak the hell out, which yeah. is in, which is in the TV spot, and I was like, okay, like I'm pretty excited. I like the concept. I like the idea of doing the follow up to the slasher movie after 40 years, mm. and reversing the role somewhat to the the victim is now just as deadly as the slasher because they've spent years like waiting. They've for also this day. spent
1: years damaged. Yeah and uh in fear, they took but, their yeah. pain
0: and let it define them for yeah. 40 years um so it's like okay there's a really interesting idea um like the closest thing we've ever had to that really i suppose is aliens like in aliens ripley has yeah. that turnaround yeah, moment yeah. of i'm not going to let this situation be my end like i am going to deal with this yeah um, which is great. And also, but this is the idea of four decades of, it, of Laurie Strode stewing yeah. over that night where her friends were killed yeah. and she nearly got killed by this random masked shape that just like came into the neighbourhood and started murdering for no apparent reason other than evil. The night he came home. yeah. Um, so that got me excited and your response got me excited because you really enjoyed it. I did
1: really enjoy it. But
0: then I saw Movie Bob's review. And a few yeah, movies. I, was, I and thought I was, he like, was weirdly down oh, on it. Yeah, well, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a shame. And then I read a couple more and I started seeing more two stars yeah. and stuff. And I was like, oh. So I sort of, my expectations almost were a bit lowered well, going I, I in.
1: I saw the Movie Bob review before I saw the movie. So I was yeah. like, oh, maybe it's not going to be that great. But then I just ended up having a whale of a time.
0: Same experience for me. Yeah, We watched it yesterday as of this recording and I was just like, do you know what? It's not amazing, it's not perfect, but I had a fucking good time. Yeah, I mean, like I had a great time because it it and I think I think a big part of that was having recently revisited the first one. Yeah, I yeah. think they work beautifully as a companion piece. Yeah. And I think they would work well as a double bill. I th- I think that, I think this one is stronger as a continuation of the original f- Movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I, On yeah, its absolutely. own, I think I'd, I'd be interested to see how it was on its own. For people who have no it, experience with them. because
1: it doesn't delve into bullshit mythology like the later movies do. Yeah, I like, try to justify. Why are we things. still telling the
0: story? Let's justify yeah. telling telling the story by trying to find just, explanations
1: and stuff. It, and like listening to there's a great there's a great podcast series called Halloween Unmasked. Yeah, um and it's a film critic <coughs> whose name currently escapes me. and uh, It's basically <laughs> an a podcast series. I know, right. Uh, It's an a part series where she explores the making of the original Halloween. She has new interviews with, like, cast and crew members and all, including J.M. Lee Curtis and John Carpenter and stuff. And part of the idea behind the original movie was that sometimes bad shit just happens because it it just happens. Yeah. There's no reason behind it. There's no cosmic plan. There's no ancient curse. There's no uh, supernatural uh, predestination. Bad shit just happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the same time, there is uh, there there is almost a supernatural element in there of like well, it can't be just as simple as this. But only because it is that, oh, evil exists. Mm. Evil exists, and it is it is a strangely powerful motivator and driving force in this for this yes. this person. This person is just evil. Yeah, not enjoyably so. Not. Not sadistic, not no. Malevolent. You
1: don't find yourself rooting for Michael, yeah. ever.
0: He's evil in that he's evil as as if evil were a force of nature, mm. a state of being. Like it's not about who he is, where he came from. He, he just he's is. barely a person. Yeah, and that's that's as sort of as far as the the non realism goes in, in in tipping into supernatural. But it's not like ever a who maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Now I think this one d- digs into that a little. Mm. um not explicitly, but certainly through his doctor's examinations and then what his doctor does uh so again, just a reminder spoilers for Halloween 2018 when his current doctor kills the police officer to prevent him killing Michael mm. then takes Michael's mask off, drags his like you know sort of comatose body into the police car and is wearing Michael's mask it's 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 like the hell is going on right now and that whole thing of he's like so that's what it feels that's what it must feel like for you it's like so he's trying to understand this patient he's so fascinated by this patient yeah and instead of doing what Loomis does in the original which is comes to the conclusion of look I've been monitoring him for 20 years or whatever it is, like 19 years, whatever yeah, it is. Because Michael's like in his early 20s in the original, isn't he? Yeah, it's 15 so, years I
1: think he's been looking after him. So he's like, I spent the... 21. because 20, oh, so he's 21 because yeah. he's six when he's taken he's in. Like, I,
0: so he's like, I've spent, yeah, I've spent that seven long... years
1: trying to understand him and then I spent the next eight years trying to get him make sure he he, he was he, locked up. Yeah. they so locked up. It's um, like, oh, fucking
0: hell. And <laughs> I like the idea that Michael has apparently not committed any acts of violence since. He's just stood there. He's been dormant, almost. Just being studied and everything. Yeah. Um, I think that I think there's ways to handle the the supernatural vibe of this idea yeah. uh, well, and there are ways to handle it not so well. Later in the movie, it's handled quite well. The yeah. idea because they continue the thing of. He really can't be kept down for long.
1: No, they, they hit him with a fucking car. Yeah, and he's up within like what? five minutes. Yeah, five yeah. minutes, movie time, probably like half an hour in 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 film. I in
0: didn't, I didn't like how they established it at the beginning. I thought that was very sort of script was a bit on the nose when the podcaster pulls the mask out of his bag. Yeah, he's like, you can feel it, can't you, Michael? You can feel the mask. It was just like
1: that's what? just I think that's just him being flowery. Like it's him being like, yeah. "This is my podcast, and I'm gonna be thinking about it." Because was it yeah. a very heightened version of that sort of true crime yeah. reporting. That was that was that was a lead. That was a lead that went freaking nowhere.
0: I kind of wanted him to survive, yeah, so he could get to to back properly into properly into Haddonfield and be the forewarning for someone, yeah, just to justify them being there because they 'cause they they're in, and then 20 minutes in the film are gone. I mean, that was fra- that was one of the it's, frightening it, sequences. Was when yeah. she's in the cubicle, yeah, and he just walks in. That's frightening, um, and the way that's done, and the way that he kills, he kills, he kills that that guy, or nearly kills him. You, we yeah. assume, we have to assume that he bleeds to death after that yeah, moment he's still because alive. You, you see him sort of on the floor. Yeah, he's
1: still alive when he's seeing his um, pod, pod partner pod being partner choked being, to death. Yeah, killed.
0: Um, and then you hear the gentle snap like the windpipes crashed they uh, crushed in or something. There's a lot
1: of like off-screen neck snapping in this
0: film. Yeah. Uh, and jaw breaking and oh, a oh, hammer Oh, the hammer. It's got all oh, the hammer. Oh yeah. Ugh. It's
1: got the it's got
0: a lot of restraint of the, restraint of the yeah. usual
1: film but it also when it wants to go hell for leather it does.
0: Yeah, it gives you at least I'd say there's at least 3 bits where it really sort of goes Here's your violence.
1: Oh, well, yeah, the head stamp. For the them. head
0: stamp, the knife through the neck of the woman at the window.
1: Yes.
0: Which is clean, but shocking. Yeah. And uh, the reveal of the gas station attendant with his smashed in yeah. face and his mouth ripped open. That's. Aside from that, it's quite reserved. Yeah. Um. It's more about the dread. That's the thing that I really admired about this. And that's the thing I really took away from it. Like the first one,
1: its scares. Its uneasiness comes from the feeling of dread. It takes its fucking time. Yeah, because like the the wonderful one of the wonderful moments where it does that is like it's when the baby the babysitter is killed. Yeah, and the kid runs out of the house, and her boyfriend goes in to try and save her. Yeah, and then you, you see him pick up the knife, and then you don't see what happens. Yeah,
0: we go away to another yeah. another character
1: until uh, the Will Patton police officer gets there, and he just finds the guy <laughs> fucking nailed to the wall yeah. with the knife.
0: Which is homage to the first one. Another Halloween Carbot, yeah.
1: Oh, alright. His sister's headstone's been restored quite well. Yes, yes, and he doesn't (laughs) nick it this time, which Doesn't nick it this time. Um, Also, I I do
0: do wish we'd gotten to know the mum more. Yeah. I feel like she was a bit one-note. It's Judy Gray. Like,
1: Judy Greer just gets thankless roles in films. Yeah, it's a shame, because
0: I think that could have been the main character. Yeah. Um, or or, or the granddaughter could have been our main character and she could have been our into it I love when she feigns
1: helplessness to learn. that's great
0: but it was weird because I felt like we didn't see any side of her strength any signs of her strength before that yeah so it seemed kind of it came out of nowhere it was a really cool moment for for a moment especially in that third act where it was just like relentless stuff going on because I think
1: for a moment it feels genuine and you think it's genuine and it isn't until she gets him in her sights and then drops into cold sniper mode yeah and fucking shoots him, that you're like, oh, no, she was faking that. Yeah. That's very good. That's um, very, very good. It's not bad for her husband, though. Fucking Oh, yeah. yeah. Poor guy.
0: And then and then is silently
1: dragged upstairs and stuffed into a wardrobe. Yeah. In the interim. Yeah. That, Michael's very good at that. And that was with Michael with two fingers down. He plays possum. Yes. With
0: well, two fingers down. So much so that he's got blood dripping to the cupboard. Yeah. He's got it smeared on those mannequins and he's not near either I, of those spots. He's, he's using, behind the cut. He's
1: using it to his advantage. Yeah. It's just it's he's he's a natural predator almost. It, yeah,
0: that's that's what's scary about him. Like he's a shark. Yeah. He's, he, he's jaws. Like he he's he's just this an, black-eyed although well milky stabbed scardify. Yeah. Uh but he's this black-eyed thing that just moves and kills when it has the opportunity
1: to. But I and then also but then then there's Laurie. Who's become yeah. even more of a predator? She was great in this. This, uh, all of her stuff was just so well thought out. It's stuff like uh, but... I have one regret actually with that. What's that?
0: So she she's drinking, waiting for the con- waiting for the prisoner truck to go by because she's just monitoring it. Yeah, and then she's drinking, and I, I couldn't quite t- direction wise they made that a little unclear to me. I guess the implication was she was she was freaking out so much and she just like she's just like i can't do it and she goes to the restaurant and she tries to move on she and ignore it, to it. Kill him. though she had but like she sort of freaks yeah. out and you have that moment where it looks like there's someone walking to the car and she refers to him she's just like i saw him i saw the shape yeah. it's like oh cool like call back to the name of michael in the script yes. from the first one yeah, yeah it's like you you know you you see that and you think oh is that was that him getting out? Like, was she there when it happened? Yeah. But it's more implied... I didn't get It's that. more implied that she was freaking out. Yeah. The one thing I'm disappointed in, I thought what I thought they were going to do, the fact she showed up to the dinner, or like, hey, how's yeah. it going? Yeah. take a drink. I thought she'd caused a crash. I thought she did it on purpose and they were going to oh, reveal right. that. Because she's uh, determined to kill him that night. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of, that would have been a nice touch. I think no. it was like, yeah, what have that. you done? And it's like, she's she did it.
1: I don't think she's that much of a monster though.
0: No, but at the same time, well, they, they hold that thing of like, does a monster create a yeah. monster? But they they did that whole thing of um, amping up that's, uh, what would you call it? That he, yeah, you get a very brief explanation of how he escaped. Apparently, during the journey, he muscled his way to the front. Yeah. Um, beat up the guard on duty, and then killed the driver. Yeah. It's like, how? But I mean, obviously, now we know how. Later on, you yeah. figure out how his doctor probably fucking uncuffed him. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's it's it, it could have been made a little clearer. But I I, I don't know. This I mean that will be why Laurie didn't do it because yeah. the doctor was involved. Yeah. But I I wonder how that would have changed the story. I do love the bit where um the crash is found by a, a, a sort of angry um it hinted at homophobic dad sort of or at least gay panic at least at least at least gay yeah, panicky dad I think, I
1: think he's 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 one of those he's, he's like it, they imply that he's sort of a dad who doesn't really understand his son but he tries to
0: Why well, is he's like why are you not coming out hunting with me he's like i want to go to dance class he's like oh you like that do you and he's like yeah like yeah. i do i love but the kid makes a big point I'd be like i love spending time with you too but i also love that and i want to yeah. do some more of that at the minute no, they, because the dad says something like that, Prissy dancing or whatever. Yeah. It's like they're sort of playing off the archetype of the gay panic dad. Like, my boy, no boy, a man's going to be dancing. Yeah, yeah, but I don't
1: think they go all the way with that. I think they make him a yeah. little bit more, more sympathetic.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> it's less that, he doesn't bollock be his kid, it, he but it's still. But he just
1: doesn't get it. Yeah.
0: I, either way, they set, yeah. Up, they, they set up a bit of backstory with these two in that moment. Yeah. And they make it very clear this kid is having trouble with his dad, but he loves and respects him. Yeah. And then his dad doesn't come back to the car within like 30 seconds. Yeah. And I was sat there wanting to yell at the screen going, why are you leaving the vehicle? Yeah. Stay in the vehicle. Yeah.
1: But that's a classic horror thing right there. Yeah.
0: But it was, it was bold of him to be like, yeah, it's going to be like a nine, 10 year old kid. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see that nine, 10 year old kid get his neck snapped. Yeah. In a, in a, again, sort of semi visual reference to the girl getting her neck snapped in the uh, first one.
1: Yeah. In the driver's seat. Yeah. Really creepy. It's it's a it, they there's some effective tension in that really. Effective the the cop, he, is he in the first one? No,
0: no, he's he's no. The, he's
1: the, he, he's. Don't. We we get, we get an explanation of what happened just
0: after the first one, don't yeah. we? That a cop a- apprehended Myers, and it's this yeah. guy, and then Loomis tried to kill Myers, and this cop stopped him,
1: and then he was and now he now regrets that.
0: Yeah, um, which I don't think he says outright. It's just the actor gets to show it on the uh, stage he, he when, says it's, it when it's later. described. He, oh, says it he says it later,
1: later on, and yeah. Because um, that's... Cause he says it later when he tries to kill him and then he... then then the new Loomis does him with his pen blade.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Which Ugh. is a
1: pretty cool little thing.
0: A little spinal column yeah. on the side. Blah!
1: Blah! Yeah. Blah! Very strange. Uh, but yeah, that's mean. It. It's, it. it's really good. I'd won. um Let's talk about another horror movie that we both saw this week. Oh, which God. I was going to see anyway, but then I... I Way to fit in before this podcast when I got a text from you saying, Oh, yeah, <laughs> Overlord's right up your street. You should go and see it. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go, that's I got, Overlord. Got
0: a, got a last minute call toward the end of last week. Uh, uh, our good friend Billy was starts started a job this week and starts his new full time job next week. Woo! So he was like, uh, Did you need to go to town for anything? Because this is the last time we could possibly just randomly go slim mid midweek. He's free. And I was like, Well, actually, I do, I do need to go to town on Friday morning. So do you want to join me friday like great neat um so we had to catch up about some five who fans plans and then we're the at Was like right what's on five who plans oh five who plans <laughs> oh overlord the 18 certificate horror movie is on at 1 30 in the afternoon yes which was the same thing with halloween yesterday we saw it well,
1: mid-afternoon I, well because i was gonna go try and see it before work on tuesday but yeah earlier showing was 1 30 so i was like oh i can't go see it time. oh good um, lord though Oh good, good Lord.
0: Overlord! Though. Oh good Overlord! It's very good. Yeah. Well, well, we'll 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 try and keep it spoiler free as possible, but expect some minor um, spoilers. Yeah. So, um, so basically the plot is it kind of came out of nowhere. It's didn't short. It? It's shortly before the D-Day landings.
1: It's isn't just it? before the D-Day landings. Basically, it's the day before the D-Day landings, and a group of American paratroopers have to go behind enemy lines in, in France, France. Yeah. Or German, uh, Nazi occupied France, and take out a radio tower so they can. So, the, the ships the are
0: heading and there's like yeah. 20 planes and they're all making their way to go and do various things and some of them yeah. are obviously aiming for this particular village.
1: Yeah.
0: And then the Germans attack. Yeah. Like they, they are they are sussed and the planes are torn to shreds. Yeah. In what I would argue, and this isn't this isn't a a this isn't a a down like point for the film or anything, but I would argue that this was the film's most visually impressive set piece. Because it was yeah. terrifying. Yeah, like the bullets just start coming through it, the it, plane. It,
1: it starts off. The movie starts off as like a 1950s like era war movie. Even down to the title card. Yes,
0: and, like, a and a it's all in it, sepia, and it's, and it's yeah. It's
1: it's really good because as the as the movie shifts genre as it goes on, it shifts visual style. Yes, yes. From war movie to horror movie, and. It really works on every... It, it, I can't really think of much bad to say about this film. It's just really, really well done and good and well acted and well directed and well performed and well set up. It's got great effects. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. It's got a really neat script uh, with a bit of bite to it. Um, It's the, got the Predator uh, style of having a bunch of characters that are so broadly drawn that you instantly understand them. Without having to get a bunch of backstory, yeah. Although you do get little bits here and there, and
0: like for example, our main our main character is Private Boyce, yeah. And you don't really learn much about Boyce um, in terms of where he's from or anything like you that. Do later. Too much. You, you get you, they touch on it. They have conversations the, about being from Louisiana the dinner table, later and then. But, but the what, I mean, story. what I mean is, you don't really, yeah, you don't really get like a sense of here's what he wants out of life, and here's yeah. but you just get a sense of who he is. Yeah. and what that means because you learned that he was drafted in yeah and he understood that he had a
1: duty and he doesn't like he, killing things he doesn't
0: like killing things he would rather and that's probably why he's fighting because yeah. he's like I would rather people not have to die yeah um, and it, but he's mocked for it by uh, one of the other soldiers what was his name the one who's an arsehole
1: oh the um, the New York guy
0: yeah was that uh, Tibbet
1: yeah uh... Tibbet yeah Tibbet
0: John John Magaro John, yeah John Magaro yeah that's him so, Fucking like, he riff. mocks him for it. He sort of takes the piss out of the fact that he, he's not willing to get his hands dirty and everything. And, yeah. and and stuff like that. And it's just sort of like, oh, that's, you know, oh, that's just harsh. Um, but, fuck me. Like, you you, you you instantly empathize with this character. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is down to Jovan uh, Adipo's... Yeah. Another British actor performance, yeah, knocking it out of the park. Like he's great in this. Yeah, he's, he's really, great really good. I mean, to be the whole cast are great, but like he's he's definitely the main character, and, and he's and, the one and, that you win. And
1: Wyatt Russell, Wyatt a Russell. particular stands out. Oh. Wyatt Russell, yeah, very, yes, he is the son of Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. And Which I didn't know until yes. afterwards,
0: and the one she said it I was like, he oh is, shit, of
1: course, he is very much his father's he's, son. He's an
0: or, he plays a role of orphan boy in Escape from LA. That's his first film yep. credit,
1: and he's a, yeah. he's in a, a Playtest in Mirror Oh, yeah. Is
0: guy in that. Fuck! I didn't even realise. He's great yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, God. Well, there you go. Um, this... I, you know, in terms of films, he, he, his, career, his film career started consistently from 2010 onwards. Yeah. He's in high school, Cowboys and Aliens. He's more of a
1: sports guy. This is 40. He plays, he plays sports.
0: He's a damn good actor, though.
1: Yeah. He's, he, he's, he, if this movie had come out in the 80s, it would have been a Kurt Russell role. And it is absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> he is absolutely channeling his dad in this. It's fucking wonderful. Because um, there are shades of, like, uh, John Carpenter bits in this. It it shifts from that war movie through to sort of, like... Not quite the thing, but that, that sort of more Prince of Darkness, uh, reanimator... Mm. Um, and return of the Living Dead territory. Yes. <laughs> Last thing,
0: there's definitely that that thing esque body horror in pockets. Yeah. But you're right. It, it's it's. Um, I mean, Christ. There's even like, a, oh shit, a reanimator kind of. Yeah. 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 There's oh. So it's the basic plot is that like they get shot down and then yeah. the very small group of them that survive team up with a, a lady in the village called Chloe, um, whose aunt is very deeply unwell. Yeah. Because After of... having returned from uh, the Nazis' uh, sort of center so beneath the, beneath church, the chapel, yeah. which
1: is where the radio towers that are need to take down, yeah, it turns out there's a lab underneath there, and yeah. the Nazis are doing all sorts of weird experiments, mm-hmm. specifically
0: and... related to the uh, the the earth and and like water reserves and everything yeah. and oils beneath this village, um, which is why they've spent all the money because they believe this is the key place to do their experiments. Yeah. And at first you're like, what does that mean? And then you see them sort of like firing, uh, firing squad with flamethrowers. Yeah. Two of their uh, prisoners, and it takes a couple of like bursts of the flamethrower to kill them. Yeah. And then you see the severity of the ants' apparent infection. Yeah. And then...
1: And then... <laughs> and
0: then, Boyce ends up in the labs. Yeah. And... And sees some shit. see some... Fucking scary. And that's the thing. It takes a sharp turn at that moment. Oh, yeah. Like, there's right. hints of something bigger afoot. But, like I said, it's a war movie. And then he sees things in the labs. And, it, and, and it does, suddenly you go, wait, what?
1: And it does that great genre <laughs> thing of, if it had just been a war movie... Like if pre- Again, going back to Predator, because that's, that's another genre twist. Yeah. If Predator had just been an action movie, it would have been a pretty damn good action movie. Yes. If this had yeah. just been a war movie, a straight <laughs> war movie, it would have been a pretty great war movie. But then they great. throw in the genre stuff and you're like, oh shit, yeah. this gets really good. gnarly <laughs> um, stuff. And I just, I had a grin on my face for so much of it because it revels in the concept and the, the silliness of the concept, but remaining serious. It and it just does. Re- it's really effective action. Some really good scares. Fantastic makeup effects. Just like absolutely incredible makeup and gore effects. And it gets it gets fucking gory. Mm. Like there's some gnarly shit in this. Um, but it's just a great fun time if you if you like if you like um, bombastic. Uh, action horror movies. This is gonna be right up your street. It is oh god, yeah. fucking fabulous! It's and just... a complete surprise. Yeah, you knew it was coming because it was rumored it was gonna be a, a Cloverfield movie for a while. Yeah, because Bad Robot um, uh, acquired it. I think. Uh, I think they. I think they straight up produced it
0: oh I think so the, on... the belief was that it was yeah. like oh this is this is another one of those but, projects um... they're quietly ticking away on and you yeah. could you could see how maybe they'd tie it in like maybe with the the substance and the earth yeah. might or might or may not have something to do with like the and then you look at the dimensional else... stuff and the energy stuff but i'm so glad it wasn't i'm mm-hmm. so glad it wasn't a tie-in and that it was its own beast
1: when you look at what else the director's done who directed it uh me. Julius Avery, Durka, Durka, Durka. Well, he's not really America, done a lot of stuff. Like he's <laughs> done a few, but like not anything you'd really know. Like nothing uh, like what he's got. He's got a bunch of projects upcoming. Twenty fourteen, Son of a Gun. A bunch of shorts. Like that's it. This is like his first major picture, um, and it's fucking great. It's damn strong. It's uh, also as well. Um,
0: what's it? The uh, the SS officer played by uh, P. Lou Asbeck. Oh
1: yeah, from uh, Game
0: of Thrones. Yeah, it uh, was he in Game Euron Greyjoy. Yes. He's oh, he's having so good. A so good. He's having a whale of a time because he gets to play scary and sinister and uncomfortable and insidious. Yeah. And then he gets to play nasty, insidious, and like uncomfortable, horrible person. With some horrible Nazi science involved,
1: yeah, it's
0: and some pretty... great prosthetics,
1: yeah.
0: Oh my god, it's
1: so good. There's there's so much to love about this movie. Like, and for something that didn't get a lot of buzz, I think it's really underperformed as well. Sadly, but mm. it's just so cool. Yeah, it's it. It's a it... great time at the movies.
0: Oh, he's, he's done if... all right for villains. He played um, Pontius Pilate in the Ben Hur remake.
1: Oh, nice. Well, hmm. apparently that movie was dog show, And but...
0: Batu in Ghost in the Shell. He's,
1: he's not a he's...
0: No, but he, like, again, prosthetics and. Oh, yeah, Uh eyes He was also in um, Lucy.
1: I've still not seen that Ghost in the Shell movie. I'm in no rush. <laughs> Neither am I. Well, if, if we're not going to do spoilers on do, Overlord, do, 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 give people a chance do, do, to see do, do, it, should we get into some emails? Do, 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 do,
0: yeah sorry i just I, I read that he was in lucy and i've got um sister rust the main track by um, hey. damon alban from that track is it damon alban hey is damon alban yeah. blur gorillas is that his name oh god where is it where's the soundtrack to lucy here it is on my phone damon alban yeah sister rust great song bought the soundtrack to lucy after i watched it because i was like this
1: score is gorgeous good to know <laughs> back um, on it. there's always gonna be something interesting about the film <laughs> um Right, let's get to some emails. We've got some emails from everyone. Of course, Sponsored the... by, I don't know, freaking Coca-Cola. We're not, but if they like to... On the to... subject of Coca-Cola, have you tried the new Cinnamon Coke Zero?
0: Shut up. Oh,
1: mate, it's good. It's good. I'm not good. a big fan of cinnamon, but I'd give that a try. Oh, it's good. I'd give that a try. It's their limited festive edition. It's tasty. Or... The only I'd place mix... I've seen it, though, is the or... Tesco Garage on the top road. We're not sponsored by Tesco, but, you know, if they want to. Or the, or the Garage. Or, in fact... The top road. Um, (laughs) Big Damn Cast, sponsored by a road. The two reigning uh, subjects in the emails this week are, of course, Demons of the Punjab. Yes, Doctor Who. And the sad passing of Stan Lee, so we're going to be getting into those. Uh, Starting with this first one from Harry T, the T is for Tetley, Draper. Uh, (laughs) It says, Au revoir, Matt Johnson and Chris Watson. Quick review of Doctor Who Or oh, wow! And... does that mean goodbye? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um Quick Review
0: of Doesn't that mean Tarot? Yes it yes, does. Yes. <laughs> like
1: oh, uh, okay. Quick review of Doctor Who and the demons of the Punjab that a new episode in my top ten Dector Who, De- Who? Doctor Who stories of all time. Oh, By shit. verity, that was fantastic. Isn't Bradley Walsh's Graham simply stunning? He is the best. Thing I, about I the love Bradley Walsh in this. I think Graham's a great character. The character, his um, approach
0: to it, he's just so, the very human moments he has. He's just so
1: warm yeah. and accepting of everyone. It's it's what
0: I always wanted. It was it was Wilf. Yeah. Like having a character like that be there for longer. Yeah. Um we got a, we got a glimmer of it in a previous Chibnall um, character, Brian Williams. Yeah. it's like, oh, this character's lovely and warm. I'd love to see them in it more. And we didn't. Well, now
1: we've got a character in a whole series. <laughs> yeah, <And> he's <laughs> great. Yeah, hey. he you like him. <laughs> um, the twist that sparks the third act was genuinely gripping, I agree. I think it would have worked just that bit better if we hadn't had a few misunderstood alien storylines recently just to make the Tusk assassins more unique, but otherwise, really good show. And you were saying this earlier, and I yeah. totally get that, yeah. but I also think this sto- this series is definitely trying to be more socially conscious and socially active
0: yeah so you're oh, getting yeah, i agree more, yeah.
1: humans are the real monsters stories yeah and i think that's kind of what it needs right now because yeah i think the using... i mean pop a, pop a couple of baddies in oh, I'm not, like, I'm just, doubt we'll just get uh them. just just to
0: for a bit of variety for the series itself
1: i've no doubt we'll get them um, but i think it's a good way to sort of refocus the series and re and, and sort of turn around and say hey look Sci-fi and fantasy—they're really good for pointing out what's wrong with the world via allegory. Yeah. So we're just gonna do some people stuff to make those allegories a bit clearer for a little bit, and then we'll get back to the monsters later. Don't worry about it. Um, in terms of in terms of alien, and also look, we got a little bit windier. Yeah. It's kind of Well, I think they filmed quite a lot
0: of this in Cardiff as well. Well, still, but like <laughs> quite but, possibly in the same forest that they shot Jodie's teaser trailer. Like and... <laughs> doing another historical.
1: <laughs> yes, which like
0: made, which made me happy. I love the historical, historic, Yeah. And and I love the fact that again it tackled something that's very um, sort of sort of not as not as uh, globally um, like known and, and prescient uh, for lack of a better word than the story of Rosa Parks. Yeah, but definitely something that obviously affected a large part of the world, specifically Asia and Britain. And Britain had a very big hand in the cause of. And, like, you know, the, the divide between India and Pakistan and everything, like, and talking about the petition, like, that is some heavy shit. Yeah, some heavy shit. And it's, it's fascinating they dealt with it. And, and I agree with you. We were talking beforehand about this. You, you said that the the, the 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 best sort of part of it was the, the face-off between brothers. Like, yeah. at the end, that idea that his brother, he, he couldn't, Prim, was it? He couldn't yeah. talk his brother around. Like, he couldn't do it. Because he was radicalised.
1: Yeah. Radicalized
0: and, and young and and frightened for his country and and he 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 put it in his head that his brother was the enemy because he fought for essentially the opposite of what they were all being made to do.
1: But it's just or or, or you, influence you to, to, shoot to your brother yeah. because of a liner on map. Yeah, that was yes. It's just and yeah, it, it's and when they found out that Prim was destined mindset, to die, yeah. And they can't stop and they it. They can't stop it. And so then that's Gra- definitely... and
0: Graham's like sort of like straightening his outfit that... for the wedding day, and you just <sighs> oh Bradley Walsh. But that was the best performance in the whole episode for me. Was just that little moment. And with definitely,
1: him. definitely, that's becoming a theme. I think because you're going to have that moment at some point in the series where Graham thinks, "Why can't I go back and save Grace?" Yeah, he and, you know, and But now, yeah, now he now he knows that I they can't. I mean, that being said, I taken... would, I would.
0: I think that was what I, that was my how I worded my criticism on Twitter was I, I would like a couple more stories where they actively save the day. Yeah, um, we got that with the Taranga conundrum. Oh, the pating because it was like this ship's either going to be blown up or we're going to bring a, a deadly problem to the hospital place. Like we have to deal with this. Yeah, and in Rose's case, it wasn't like we have to save the day. It was we have to make sure that nothing changes this day. Yeah. So that was fair enough, but like, apart from that, there's not really been any big save in the day episodes. No, no. And and so I'd, I'd like I'd like another one of them at some point,
1: which is worth it. Which is where literary. I think
0: which is where I think the baddie stuff comes in. Because I you, think can, we'll get you it. can tell that kind of story quite easily with the whole here are the baddies, yeah. like they are doing a horrible thing.
1: Doctor, I, go stop that thing. I like this telling yeah. more. It's currently telling more human stories, both yeah. in the literal and uh, metaphorical sense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in, what, in, what were the
0: aliens called. What were they? What were they called again? Oh, I can't remember. It'll be it of the it sort emails. of suggests that they're like they're up there with like dr- the draconians
1: and stuff. Yeah, as they're, like they're the an ancient, ancient race. Yeah, and no, they've been uh, around since Who now turned over a new leaf? Um, because they're and they're to pay respect for the destroyed. dead. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I think, was, I think it was a really good episode, and we'll no doubt get more. But not in a creepy Shan Sheath way. <laughs> no.
0: From Sarah Jane Shan Adventures. Sheethe People were saying, Sheethe. oh, they're like vultures. Like, you want to see fucking vultures? Go watch Death of the Doctors. Yeah. There's some fucking vulture aliens voiced by David Bradley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who mourn the dead.
1: Gotta love a Shan Sheath. And look uh-huh. like giant vultures, because of course they do, and they're great. Continuing <laughs> on with this email. um, And what a show Stan Lee put on for us. Oh, God, yeah to write Harry. Oh, and you didn't. He didn't, um, he didn't write names of the Punjab. No, Do no. your research. This is a, this, we're, <laughs> we're changing topics now. Uh, what, what I really absolutely adore about Stan is that he knew he was brilliant. And he said it loud and proud. You yeah. can read it in his introduction to the comic books, hear it in his voices in the video games, see it in his smile and behind his eyes in interviews and movie cameos. His was an image... Imid- imid- oh, God, I fucking read. His, his was, was an imagination... His was a midget. ...that continues to serve as inspiration and thus will forever be the architect of many beloved childhood memories for so many people who needed them. He was Stan Lee, the truest believer of them all. Thanks for everything as usual, lads. And belated congratulations to Chris and Lucy on your matrimony. I wish you all the very best in your ongoing marathon of Doctor Who. And even (laughs) more so, your future together. Excelsior and bonjour. (laughs) (laughs) Ending with hello. Darn it. Thank you very much. Very kind of you. Bye, Um, Jiminy. This one comes in from Lewis. Excelsior. Says, hello, Chris and Matt. It's been a while since I've emailed in, but I've still been listening week after week and had to share my thoughts on this topic. on the 12th of November 2018 I was busy celebrating my 17th birthday happy birthday happy birthday Um, I just got the new Batman animated series Blu-ray and was having a blast then I checked Twitter it was the worst feeling in the world to see that my hero had passed on I never got the chance to meet Stanley but he was the architect of myself and a lot of other people's childhoods I feel like he was always there for me growing up albeit in the forms of various characters like the X-Men Fantastic Four Hulk Captain America and particularly Spider-Man who is a character I relate to on a personal level and always have. A lot of his characters taught me lessons about power and responsibility as well as informing the person I am now and I'm becoming. Be it in print, cartoon or big screen form the Marvel Universe felt like my home when I was younger. I love superheroes and comics because they inspire us to be better versions of ourselves and Stan portrayed that along with legendary artists like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. He always seemed humble and polite in interviews and the fact that he reached so many generations of fans is incredible. Stanley always felt like someone who was immortal, so I was shocked and devastated when his passing was announced. It felt like part of my childhood had gone. But it'll never ever be forgotten. He leaves a gargantuan legacy behind him and changed pop culture forever. This is the first time his a celebrity death has really hit me hard, so forgive me if this email sounds overly emotional, but Stanley truly was and still is my hero. Excelsior true believers, rest in peace, Stan. From Lewis. Well beautiful, said. Beautiful, Lewis. Um, and yeah, I echo a lot of those sentiments. He, he absolutely was a weaver of the finest stories and
0: some of the most batshit just...
1: mental stuff as well. We <laughs> imagine.
0: Like, was it earlier this year you were revisiting early Fantastic Four? Oh, it's
1: just nuts. <laughs> like between him and Jack Kirby, like the imagination just <laughs> spills out wholesale. They did hundred and two issues on that on their run and they created a universe wholesale.
0: Yeah, it's just it's incredible. Totso. Like proper to- In fact there there you go, there's the Submariner story. Uh, oh, of course the individual individual issues had like part one, part yeah. two, part three, part four, just to break it up and make it a little more uh, like a serial. There he is. Looking <laughs> yeah. there
1: with his giant eyebrows. Fantastic four, evicted from building
0: <laughs> five tower floors for rent! <laughs> Like Brilliant. what is this? It's so good. Brilliant. And Doom. Like, can we talk? Can we talk only about Doctor Doom? Can we talk about Doctor Doom? I think that's the. I think that's his best villain creation.
1: Doctor Doom is. Like, just I mean, incredible. he creates some
0: damn good villains, I and mean, he, he talked on the documentary that I was watching about like coming up with villains. Sometimes, like, you come up with the hero, and once you've got your hero, and you know what they they are and what they stand for, just have fun with the villain. Sometimes you can find some deeper meaning in their juxtaposition to the hero. Yeah. Other times. It's just a case of, oh my god, wouldn't it be fun to watch someone with these powers have to deal with someone with these powers? Mm. So, like, Spider-Man, he said, he never intended for the villains to to mostly have, like, an oh. animal theme, for that to be, like, a recurring thing. He just liked the idea of, like, a man who turns into a lizard, a lizard monster. And it's like, well, that'd be great. And and it could do it through science, and that'd be fantastic, because then he'd be in a lab coat, and <laughs> it'd, look, it'd look really cool. And Doc <laughs> Ox, like, Dr. Oxpuss, he knew he wanted somebody with mechanical arms, and then he thought like of tentacles, and he was like, "Oh, great! I like I oh, will make him a scientist because again, Peter's in science. So we could sort of use that as a window." And then he was like, "Oh, we could be a professor. <gasps> no, a doctor, Doctor Octopus." And then they got he gets like the name and the basic idea. And he's like, well, I'll do this Doctor Doom is amazing." Yeah. Um, there are a lot of our listeners will probably go, "No, he's not," because they'll have just seen him in his his couple of film iterations.
1: Well, to all those listeners who think Doctor Doom isn't amazing. You're all wrong. He's so um, good. And
0: it's, Stan's idea for that is brilliant. Because he said he liked the idea. And I can't remember where he says this anecdote. I think it might might be in a Fatman and Batman. Maybe. Oh, no. I think it's uh, the documentary called Once Upon a Time the Superheroes. I think it might be in that where I first okay. saw this. Because uh, before Wikipedia was readily available, kids. Yeah. Teen Me was just buying DVDs in HMV sales that were documentaries about the comics industry. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how I learned about it. And I've still got them. And I love them. But um, In that one, he said... I love the idea that you could walk up to any policeman in New York. I think i might mentioned this before. because says you could walk up to any policeman in New York and you could drop litter on the ground in front of them. And that policeman would be like, hey, right, pick that up right now or I'll serve you with a ticket. You could walk up to any police officer in New York and say, I'm going to take over the world. And they can't do anything about no. that. Like, as long as, as long as that's all you're doing, they can't do anything about that. Nope. They can't arrest you for that. That's not a, taking over the world isn't a crime it's not like something that could be prevented
1: <laughs> how um, you how
0: you go about it is what makes yeah that you could a that could be crap but like you, you can announce that and he said imagine if someone could do that and no one could stop them and that's what we said well a monarch could do that like a politician could stand in front of the world stage and say yeah. we're going to rule the world or i'm going to rule the world and the rest of the world can't go like we're going to stop you they'd have to just go no you're not and then they, <laughs> and then that person could go yeah i can and reveal their plan or they prove them wrong so he, he liked the idea of a villain with diplomatic immunity yep. who, who could stand on the world stage and be like, "Ha!" So that's where the basic idea of Doctor Doom came from, and then the rest of it starts starts to build up:
1: the scientist, the you know, the the, the magician, like, and and. I'm a monarch, I just happen to be a monarch in a suit of armour, with a green cloak, and also I have magic, I guess. Yeah,
0: and I wear this mask voluntarily. Oh wait, no I don't anymore, because my face is screwed up because of you, Richards, and I'll never forget it. Uh, actually Victor you did that to yourself shut up Reed I don't do anything wrong because he's got small man syndrome oh as well boy, like, has it's, it? it's in there but he's also he's like unstoppable but he's like passionately a, a mommy's boy to the point where a lot of the study of his of magic was to try and get his mother out of hell yep it's like what is this guy like he's what Stan Love's big stories and big Shakespearean concepts like the oh, big world yeah, st- yeah, yeah. He, he um he he uh he wrote a poem which if you read it in its entirety is like 10 minutes called god woke because he was very big into like the big shakespearean kind of concepts these grand sweeping stories and and you know very much so in that whole thing of like you know the 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 creation aspect of of life and 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 what it, what it is to be a king and things like that he he loved telling stories from those points of view which is why i think a lot of his comic book characters really stand the test of time. Because Magneto's not just, ha, ha my evil plan, it's, ha, ha, ha here is my yeah. life philosophy. Or
1: even if they start as that, then as they uh, recur, every time they come back, Stan and whatever artist he was working with would flesh them out a little bit more, flesh them out a little bit more, flesh yeah. them out a little bit more. Because
0: um, the groundwork's there. Like yeah. he, he's, he's laid it. And it's hilarious, because you could tell he had a bullshit radar. Oh yeah. When it came to artists and creators who weren't like as as passionate about bringing genuinely new ideas and, and, and original creative suede, um there's that wonderful footage from a show he did in the 90s.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, if you search things, on YouTube and you search up the video Stanley owns. This is one of the things that it was uh it was very much all, all over Twitter in the immediate wake of the announcement of his passing. Yeah, um, oh, it
0: was getting shared like crazy. I think I, think, so I think Phoenix
1: retweeted like two versions of it. It's so good. Uh, he did a show where like
0: and, and no no disrespect to the work and legacy of Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld. Are you sure? Yeah, because so, <laughs> because they have contributed again. They have contributed massively to the Todd comic book McFarlane lexicon.
1: Created Spawn.
0: Yeah, he also drew some of the best Spider-Man of the eighties. Todd McFarlane created Spawn. He drew some of the best Spider-Man of the eighties. Todd McFarlane
1: created And then there's sport. Rob Liefeld,
0: who like, who's art oh, I'm not a fan of, but I do like a lot of his contributions in and terms of character
1: and stuff. You can't fault his enthusiasm. You can't fault his enthusiasm, absolutely not. And he's
0: also up for t- being taken the piss out of, at least in a professional oh, context. He loves that shit. He'll fight with fans and, and, and be critics on Twitter, but he doesn't mind when a multi-million dollar movie franchise takes the piss out of his inability to draw feet. Hey, if you're getting paid... That's true. Um, Who cares? This is like a dumbass superpower that was dreamt up by an idiot with an over-obsession with pouches and an inability to draw feet. It's just like, great. Very good. Um, Very good. So, but they go on this thing and they create a character from scratch and Stan Lee's just sort of interviewing them as they're drawing and doing this character. And the character is called Overkill and it's... it, it, it One of them, either Rob or Todd, repurpose him a few years later Todd repurposed him in spawn Kill. As yeah. As Overt Kill. And it's just like, Oh. But again, it's just that whole thing of like, now what's what's his deal? And the idea is that they're just sort of on the fly creating a character. Yeah. But it's the same as every other character they were making at that point. It's like yeah. a cyborg and he's a big chunky guy and he's covered in pouches and he's got a robot arm and he's disgruntled and he's angry and he's fighting his humanity versus his programming. <laughs> it's just like the most obvious 90s thing ever. And Stan's re- remarks are just so littered shake. with sass. Yeah, he's
1: brilliant.
0: It's got, but in no way where they can sort of say anything because he's doing it in that humorous lens. How that long does lens. he take
1: to get dressed? Yeah,
0: but you just know that he's thinking, "Christ, sake. <laughs> like, Christ, guys, guys, you're overcomplicating this.
1: They keep it simple, stupid."
0: I love his. Um, I love. I loved his. Uh, what do you call it? He's very self, he was very self-deprecating from time to time, mm. and very humble. But if the opportunity to make a joke about how amazing he is came oh, up, oh yeah. he grabbed it, and and he liked to he liked to sort of comedically spar with people. Yes, because he he, did, he always said that he he would have liked to have been an actor at some point because he really does enjoy it. But he got the chance loads of times, like narrating shows and mm. and all this stuff. Like he always got the chance, and I think that's why he leapt at it. Because he, he always tended to play variations of himself. Oh, yeah. Um, and he said in the 80s, um, the Spider-Man movie at that point, there was a Spider-Man movie in, in the works in some way, and he was lobbying to play Jameson. <laughs> because he realised, who better to play him? I created him, and he was based on what some of my like employees <laughs> thought of me.
1: <laughs>
0: so, like, you know, yeah, I, 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 I could, I could play. That. And, and Stan, Stan would have played a pretty great JJ, really. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, then, and again, in that documentary, shot in 2001, Released before the Spider-Man movie, they're talking about it like it's an upcoming thing, and it's a really weird, really weird for context. Um, he talks about he says, "Oh, the guy they've got for Jameson, wonderful guy, uh, J.K. Uh, something. Uh, he's amazing. When you see him, you won't believe how good he is." And he's fucking right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, but uh, oh my god, the yellow M M&M, and M, he's terrifying as <laughs> Jameson. Um, but yeah, so it's it's he he's, he could spar really well with people. Yeah comedically i i retweeted uh the j leno fly is a wonderful youtube channel that that has been gradually reposting grouped interviews of of certain stars and stuff from craig ferguson's time as oh, the host oh yeah, yeah i saw this and and stan did you watch any of it i didn't watch it I saw oh it's great it's it's it, 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 it's it's it starts with a bit of a sketch from the start of an episode where craig's pitching him a superhero called no uh, invisible clothes man <laughs> Um, oh god and then and then it's his—it Stan's second appearance and then they show his third appearance which is the one where that was the preceding skit yeah. at the start of the episode his first appearance he's there to talk about something or I think they've got him on as a fill-in yeah. because they were trying to get him on for ages for summer and they couldn't and then a guest pulled out and they managed to get Stan so they got him in and Stan takes the piss out of them for him just being a standby <laughs> and then the second interview he's there to plug the, you know, from 2011 or whenever it was, the reissue of How to Draw Comics the oh, normal yeah. way yeah, yeah, um, where they put it out again with a new forward new, new content and stuff I've got the I've got the, a reprint of the older version with the white cover and everything. Nice. Um, it's great, uh, but but and in that one he's, he's taking the piss that he talks about. We don't need to talk about, talk about the book. It's already sold out already. I assume, of course, it has <laughs> It's the number one book in this country and worldwide. But the whole thing that like Craig is re- Craig is really good at sort of like taking the Mickey out of his guests in a way that they enjoy, and he's sort of very laid back. Stan keeps him on his toes the entire time <laughs> and attacks him back. They have an argument about their Twitter followers. But Craig's a robot skeleton army and Stan doesn't like that because he's got the brigad- He's got his brigadiers. Yeah. And he's the General Izumo, and-, and he's like, oh, my- they'll always be here to protect me and they're bigger than yours. And you've only got one robot skeleton. <laughs> There's not an army. He's like, Do we call them robot skeletons. He's like, well, only one of them is a robot skeleton. <laughs> and it's just- he's just proper having a go at it. It's wonderful. And at that point, he's like 80- 87, I yeah. think, in this footage. And he's just like a spring chicken. It really is only in the last sort of um, six, seven months where we've seen footage of him as his health deteriorated a bit and, and, yeah. and everything, where you see that he's like, oh no, he's slowing down now. Like, he's slowing down. Um, and it seems that it seems that his death was actually quite sudden.
1: Like, he was taken yeah, in on an emergency he, he had like... early
0: Monday morning and then he, he passed like I think an he hour a, later. I think
1: he'd had a bout with pneumonia earlier in the year. Yeah. And has sort of been... <laughs> like February time and it's sort of been deteriorating since then yeah Um, and certainly looked frailer and and a little weaker than we'd seen before but yeah but
0: yeah Christ
1: 95 like damn what I've been stealing I've been stealing myself for it because
0: 1922 to 2018 Jesus
1: Christ Mm. what a life damn that we all could live such a life would be a wonderful thing Um, let's all all
0: create Spider-Man at the age of 39 yes <laughs>
1: That'd be um good. 8 years um 9 years no 8 a bit uh this one comes in from Tom Monty uh we're all about demons of the punjab in this one hello says, tom dear listen oh, um demons of the punjab was my <laughs> second favorite of series 11 so far after rosa 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 It's a with nana reference for everyone there but that isn't saying much tbh I thought uh, Vinay Patel handled 13 a lot better than she's been handled by Chibnall. Um, where does Punjab rank in your thoughts about series yeah, 11? Yeah, was their first
0: script, wasn't it, mm. for the show? It was really good.
1: Uh, I, damn I, solid damn solid debut for a new writer. I, I think this is great. I think it's definitely uh, This and Rosa, the two best episodes of the season, uh, easily. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I know it's a tad early, but who would be your ideal Chris Chibnall replacement? I haven't even thinking about that yet. No, I mean no. We've, not, we've not really seen the full extent of what
0: his his showrunner style I mean, is. Yeah, we, we think we've got an angle on it, but we've got what four episodes left, so we don't really yeah. know.
1: I'll tell um, you this: not Scott Book. He was a show, he was the showrunner for the first season of Iron Fist and Marvels and Humans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the yeah, worst like showrunners in the history of anything ever. I don't know, but do you know? Do you know what I would like who's that? I would like a showrunner to do
0: the um. American showrunner thing. Obviously, they have longer seasons, which is part of the reason they do this. But do the American showrunner thing of writing like the opener, maybe the finale, yeah, one or two in the middle, but mostly <clears throat> just acting as the overseer, yeah, um, just to see if that would be different. Just to see if the, so, there's someone at the helm who concentrates more on setting that tone. I'm gonna steer this ship. Yeah, like, I, and even if it is a co-write thing, even if it means that they co-write with everyone. Fair enough. I'd just be intrigued to see that because I do fear that we probably because of the Moffat era, we we focus so much on an individual writer's tropes and tack and ticks. Yeah, like we we focus too much on them. Yeah, um, and and I'd rather it be a case of just going in and letting the story speak for itself each week. than anticipating certain things going in.
1: and I think it's been a really strong season this year, so... Yeah, it's been pretty darn good. I mean, no rush to get rid of him.
0: I'd I'd say it's on par with, um, sort of, like, first half Series 7, so far. I mean, to be fair, Chibnall wrote two of those five stories, so maybe that's why. But, um, like, first half Series 7 was the last time where I felt like the, the consistency was pretty much in a really good place. Yeah even if they didn't all hit the mark for me, like, you know, uh, Asylum of the Daleks, retroactively, not great, but not terrible, really. I don't think. Yeah. I know some, some would argue, some would argue, but there's some really good stuff in there. There's, it's very event television in that they made the public aware of Jenna Coleman's upcoming involvement with the show. Yeah. And then threw you a massive curveball and you're like, wait, what? She's in it already? Yeah. What's happening? Wait, she's not real? What's happening? <laughs> Um, Dinosaurs and the Spaceships, fun. Bit modelled, but fun. Town Call Mercy, I really like a Town Call Mercy. Really good. Um, I really like Power of Three. It's a shitty ending, notwithstanding. I really yeah. like Power of Three. Um, and Angels Take Manhattan's pretty solid as well. Um, so like that was the last time where it was like, you know what, I enjoyed these five weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't have much problem with these five weeks for me. So I've, it's like that. I, we've not quite hit the heights of Series 5 yet, I don't think. No. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe co- a couple of episodes. A couple of episodes definitely belong in that I'd, category. i put
1: this mostly around season five quality. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I'll be honest. I, I think I'm just, just reserving judgments I've seen I, I this think, season. I think I've been generally... It's weird.
0: It's going to be going out while I'm in Panto.
1: Yeah. That's never that's happened before. Weird,
0: yeah. That's really mm-hmm. odd. So
1: we've got four more? Uh, it's ten, isn't it? Ten, yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've got, got four more.
0: Uh, kablam! This weekend and yeah. three more weeks. Because
1: the details for the finale came out this week. Didn't
0: it? Yeah, it's very, it's very uh vague on purpose. But it says nine separate distress calls mm. for something, something. for Doctor Friends after investigate. It's like nine, like the nine previous episodes. Who
1: knows? In a
0: series where everyone's pointed out how the antagonistic force or tied in alien interference has always
1: left or escaped. Huh. Hmm. 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 Anyway, continue with this email. <laughs> um, have you heard about John Barman entering the jungle this year? Well, I have now. Da, 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 da. Would you usually watch I'm a Celebrity? Fuck no. I. I if not,
0: I. I, guy... I used to. I used to like comfort watch it. You know, you just sort of have it on in the evening while you were There's doing nothing stuff. comforting but, about it for me. Back it irritates when I was me. back when I was a teenager and and, and my first like year living in London and stuff, I I was drawing a lot like in the oh, evening yeah. still. So I just kind of have like, I'm a in the background like oh go on. Um, I I stopped watching when I
1: realised that I only recognised maybe one person a series. I was like, mm. eh, not well, first. Of course, the next question is, if not, is Captain Jack enough to make you tune in?
0: No, no. But, but I will probably keep an eye on any stories that come out about it. out yeah. of morbid curiosity. Uh, do you think that
1: him entering the jungle do- in doc- during the Doctor Who series 11 period is pure coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that those deals would have been done in... Advance of the Doctor Who being announced, mm. the final dates being announced. So well, I don't
0: know. I hear I hear behind the scenes stories of shows like I'm a Celeb, the celebrity ones, where they sometimes don't get involved till that very last minute, I don't on purpose it. to keep secrecy going.
1: Maybe.
0: So uh, you know, the, the shows take a bit of a gamble in that respect.
1: Okay.
0: Um, plus, it's easier to make that snap decision. Hey, do you want to go away for like three weeks in a couple of weeks? Yeah, sure. Why not? Maybe three weeks. Maybe. Two days. Um, <laughs> Although I will say from a, from a presenter standpoint, I'm interested to see oh, yeah, the course. Holly Willoughby and Declan Donnelly yeah. uh, team. I think it'll be fine. Um, I think it'll be fun. ducked out, isn't it? Yeah, but th- there's that, that that element to me is a big reason to why I found it entertaining when I did watch. Yeah, yeah. It was the out-and-deck wraparound stuff. Yeah. So
1: it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic feels. But, um yeah. feels nice. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Johnny Taylor. Johnny Taylor. Uh, it says, Hey up, Chris and Matt. This is from uh, Johnny started up his Mastercast. Oh, um, yes. Uh, which we talked about last week. Uh, I just thought I'd mention that your Don't Hug Me I'm Scared joke at the start of last week's show was very eerily timed as I just watched all six of these odd works of art with a group of friends at college instead of doing work the day before excellent use of your time i like it um, also your approval of the name mastercast was very much appreciated it made my day and kept me in high spirits for the rest of the week until i heard the unfortunate news of stan lee's passing away which i found absolutely devastating yep yep uh, in honor of stan i wonder what some of your favorite movie cameos of his from over the years are <laughs> and who would you cast to play him in the biopic about his life that absolutely needs to happen one day all the best johnny taylor um we talked about the cameos didn't we um, I mean I I'll,
0: I'll throw in a couple of random ones uh, that aren't Marvel related that I think are worth checking out, just the cameos because they're so bizarre. Yeah. Uh <laughs> most like prolific and enjoyable one in terms of that, more Rats. Yeah. It's I I'd argue it's more than a cameo, because it's it's two scenes.
1: Yes. Opposite ja- opposite
0: Jason Lee as Brody. That, and that is definitely more than a cameo. Jason Lee asks him. If the things dicks made of rocks and it's great and and Stanley sets him straight and he's so good in it that when he tells the story and he's told this he tells the story in it of like the girl that he loved when he was younger and all this and that he, you know he didn't he didn't pursue it and and he regrets it yeah apparently after seeing it Joanie said to him who are you talking about because <laughs> they they were married like fifty odd sixty odd years like they they
1: yeah
0: they, yeah they 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 got they knew like she she was already in a relationship. She knew they had to be together, like they really got on. Yeah. The morning she got divorced, she then booked the wedding and they went and got married that afternoon. Because she wanted to make it official. Like they've been in love for years. She knew everything about him. So she was like, Who the hell are you talking about? Who's this girl you were on about? And he had to be like, It's in the script. Like this was in <laughs> Kevin's script. She he's that, he's really good in it. Like it's a brilliant performance. And and to the point where his wife was like, why didn't i know about this it's like it, it was acting i'm acting it's acting. Like, oh god uh thank god um excelsior but the other cameo is i wouldn't recommend watching the whole movie just look for the cameo it makes no sense it's batshit mental and it's the princess diaries two: a royal engagement oh god he plays like the king of somewhere or like the prime minister of somewhere and his line is just like ah oog, 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 or something like that because the idea is he's not speaking english at all and he's trying to give, like, a flirty look to the Julie Andrews what? Queen character. It's hilarious. And it's like, what? why is he in this? Why is Stan Lee playing this character? There's what? no reason for it. And it's brilliant. It's a terrible movie.
1: What? But
0: Stan Lee cameo.
1: So... Um, who should We play? have it if you want to borrow it. I'm no, I'm kidding. Not. I we did have not Princess Diaries
0: of and Royal Engagement um, somewhere.
1: Ha- um... <laughs> I don't know why we've got we it. Who should play yeah, him please. in the biopic about his life it absolutely needs to happen one Brian Cranston. Said it in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to because Cranston's what in his late 50s now? Uh, 60s. He's in his 60s. Fucking hell. All yeah, because right. a
0: couple of years when Kimmel they had a big sketch of him celebrating his sweet 60th. Oh,
1: wow. Uh, um,
0: Cranston, as eighty Stanley, and don't do a biopic per se, do a heightened fiction story about him like trying to save Marvel from bankruptcy or yeah. something like that. The, thing is, the great thing is
1: you don't need to go too young because, he he, like I say, he was in his... He was 39 when he created Spider-Man. Yeah. So it was like he was in his... Actually, like, you yeah, enough Marvel was taken off. Cranston. Cranston,
0: yeah. 60s through to modern day. Yeah,
1: Just hey, do it. De-age him and then... He spent the
0: majority up. of the 60s with a full beard. You can cover up some of Cranston's natural wrinkles with a full beard. Yeah. There you go. Just smooth him out with
1: CGI like everyone does nowadays. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's possible. Um, I don't know. Uh, or
0: Gilbert Godfrey. Hello, I'm Stanley. In, in, in my
1: in my mind, Gilbert Godfrey always plays Stanley. I shall you. Because I can't do a good Stanley. We um, <laughs> do a great I Gilbert, a great Godfrey, Gilbert playing Godfrey playing Stanley. Um, <laughs> know, that's actually a really good shout. You um, just trying to think of <laughs> Tilda Swinton my head. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, um, Gillian Anderson, definitely Gillian Anderson. Uh, actually, actually,
0: jokes aside, I would watch that. Yeah, I would watch, watch Gillian Anderson play Stanley. Do it like
1: the Bob Geldof movie, where a different actor plays him in every scene.
0: Yes. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh Christ. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say but he's got
0: to be played by all the principal cast members of the MCU. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Trying to think of an actor who's tall and slender and can do that twinkly thing
0: <laughs> but then shrink in height
1: over the course of the movie <laughs> left, field. left field shot Paddy consonant
0: I mean I would say yes to him in anything I don't doubt he could play Stan Lee. I think he could possibly do quite a good job hmm Andy Nyman
1: Andy Nyman Hmm. The end is. Nine and...
0: Ross Noble.
1: <laughs> ah!
0: Straight up, Ross Noble. we
1: would have to cut his hair,
0: though. You can do amazing things with ball caps these days. <laughs> but oh. just something about. the
1: glee in it. Yeah that, yeah,
0: that childlike energy. And the fact that when you do see him dip into drama, he's very good. Well, most of me so, is So you I know think. he could he could do that. He's got the face. I think he's definitely got the face for it. Get the mustache on him and the glasses. Yeah, that's the thing.
1: He's like Stan's got that. Wonderful... A very distinct profile. Yeah. yeah. He's got he's got the the big grin and the mustache and nose.
0: And the hairline that just sort of comes down a little bit more on yeah. the right hand side is natural hairline. And he does and... have
1: those sharp features. Yeah. So you've got to go for something distinctive. But you don't want to cover. You want to get someone close. You don't have to cover them in prosthetics, so you can have that expression come through. Um, Alfred Yankovic.
0: <laughs> I'm just picking. Wrong. I'm just picking comedy people with distinct facial features you're and curly wrong. long hair. Now, for some reason,
1: <laughs> you're not necessarily wrong. That's one to think on. I think
0: if you were going for a more light-hearted thing, instead of it being a biopic and more of a fantastical kind of story about the man, yeah, you could probably get away with like Al Weird Al someone like that. You could get away with Weird Al. But you could always get
1: away with weird. Al, to be fair. Andy Sandberg. yeah, younger Stan! I know he's Andy, I know Andy Sandberg's like forty yeah, now. He's or whatever, ridiculously but. old for how young he looks. Yeah,
0: but you could like I, you'd have to play to his face. But I think I think you could you'd have to pick like you'd have to tell the story of like him and Joni and the beginning of Marvel. Yeah, um, which I think is the more interesting story. <clears> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We know what happened next because. We've all been living it. Getting, for the last know, getting those years. creations
1: off the ground. Yeah. Um, who would play Jack? Play Jack. It's Kirk. got
0: to be someone who already he's probably the same age as him, but looks grizzled and grumpy yeah. as fuck. Because um, you ever see photos of Jack? He always looks really grumpy.
1: Andy Samberg as Stanley and Andy Circus as Jack Kirby. Circus would be quite good as Kirby. Actually, Considine would be good as Jack Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, he would Because you could it, bring yeah. that warmth but he'd be quite sort of gruff. And who do you want for Steve Ditko?
0: Steve was quite sort of uh slender in his frame, wasn't he? He's was quite yeah, a slender face uh... and everything.
1: Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, <laughs> Steve Ditko. Alright, I'm with you there. I see what you Or Tony Hale.
0: Going. Tony Hale could actually probably pull that off.
1: Tony Hale could be a decent Steve Ditko.
0: Like if you were going the lighter route like Merchant could obviously do that but if you were going the lighter route and you didn't want to mm. distract with the casting Tony Hill could probably do that quite nicely with Joanie you'd yeah. have an interesting thing because she's uh, she's uh, a Geordie she was a Geordie I believe uh, of course. but she really did not have the accent because no. she lived in America when you watch an interview footage with her she's terribly sort of received pronunciation and very strong English accent like Queen's English oh. But um, because Stanley jokes with Craig Ferguson about if she's she's uh, she's from Newcastle, she's got the uh, Geordie, I believe it is. And Craig starts talking to the accent. He's like, she doesn't sound quite like that, but that's very good. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, that's quite funny. Um, so you'd have to cast, you'd have to cast somebody who could do that incredibly posh English voice, but slip in a bit of Geordie twang along the way. Sheridan Smith. Um, Sheridan Smith is Stanley. <laughs> why not? Sheridan Smith in anything. Um, Sheridan Smith in all the things. Yeah, I'm down yeah. for that.
1: I'm down for that. Uh, let's write it and pitch it and get made um, we can afford all that this last one comes in from Jacob and another tribute to Stan the Manly another personal tribute uh, this one says hi boys
0: he owed me a tenner love Jacob
1: as you are obviously aware Stanley is down at the ripe old age of 95 one of the people who was responsible for the MCU and I'm to be fair and arguably the greatest modern storyteller slash writer also the co-creator of my all time favourite superhero Spider-Man Uh, I can't think of a writer that's affected my life uh, that's affected my life more except for maybe um, RTD but this email isn't about him so we can fuck off I added that (laughs) Jacob didn't say that that was me Uh,
0: more than Statue. he's available for comment he says
1: marvellous I don't think it's properly hit me that he's gone as you guys know by now there aren't many situations that render me without words but this is one of the times where I just don't know what to say He's one of those three people who've inspired me to write my own stories. It's one of those situations where I knew he would leave us one day, but I never thought it would really happen. Yeah, You never really, or at least I don't, think that your heroes are going to die. But he lives on through us and his stories. Have a good week, Cockers. Lots of love, Jacob.
0: Well, that's the thing. I'm trying to remember who said it. Someone once said. I just mean some random. Like, someone once said, You die twice. When you leave this world... And when you leave everyone's memories. And when people stop saying your name. Yeah. I don't think Stan Lee then is ever going to die a second time. No, People will always remember him. This this dude's legacy and the things he did is always going to live
1: on. As long as there are stories, as long as those stories endure, then his name will endure. Jack Kirby's, Steve Ditko's. All the creators
0: over the years that have just been a part of this. and, And, you know... Christ alive. Well, he's not, though. Cause... <laughs> if he was, he'd be a guest. Um...
1: <laughs> so tell me, Christ.
0: Yeah. What's your favourite Stanley cameo?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. Um... Yoga hoses, of course. <laughs> you watch the yoga hoses? Yeah, um... we get all the movies up there. Um... Ever since Dogma, I've been following that
0: guy's work. <laughs> I like the one with the walrus. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, folks. Um, (coughs) As usual. At Downcast on the old Twitters, <laughs> BigDamnContact at gmail.com. We're not really going to get too many emails or anything over the next couple of weeks because, uh, as we've said before, Chris is going to be away doing panto. So you might be so, listening to
0: a pre-record, you yeah. might be listening to a new episode. We've it all depends on how of... things happen in yes. the next couple of weeks. We've
1: got a couple of pre-records coming up um, and other bits and pieces, but we'll have some live episodes scattered in there. Well, some recorded episodes with the two of us in you won't good go, time you won't go a yeah. week without the big damn cast you're always you going to get your big damn cast fix uh, of course <laughs> head over to YouTube you've got eventually in backlog backlogging ongoing you'll have a new big damn love going up uh, this weekend as well um pika pika and <laughs> yeah thanks for listening folks and this one's for you Stan thanks folks eggs I'll see you we